0: to the Redleaf Retrocast, WrestleCast episode 44. I am your host, JD. Let's get this thing started. I am looking forward to talking with you for the next couple hours, minimum, about all the wrestling that happened from around the world over the past two weeks. Yes, it's been quite a journey with AEW now in full force. Uh, we got on the docket today, got some NXT talk, which has been a rarity these days. We got some, We got a new promotion I bet you've never heard of. Got some more Gato move. The wrestler spotlight. We're up to Lex Luger now for the NWA US Champions. I will be battling my cat as usual on this podcast as well. As he's really adamant about uh, running around, hitting the mic table, uh, attacking my earphones, and possibly hitting the mic. So I'll be wrestling him one-on-one during this podcast. Weekly wrestling recap with my mom. She's back to talk MLW, uh, AW episodes 6 and 7 in full gear. So a little extra bonus there. After that, going to more All Japan Women classics, Dragon Gate, Stardom, hitting almost the end of the Tag League uh, progress, WXW, then naturally ending with WCW Nitro from 1998. Stay tuned to see which we're up to there. Uh, Haven't figured out a title yet. So I'll write that down and yeah, you can see it in the description of the episode anyways. But needless to say, let's get this thing going. NXT USA Live from November 13th had a match I must talk about. It garnered uh, it a lot of positivity over the last uh, couple weeks. Uh, Have not been into the War Games build whatsoever with uh, the Gargano injury, so the Finn Balor match is totally out. Uh, Presumably that was from the botched uh, basic uh, implant DDT on the ramp that Balor gave Gargano, so that put him out. Uh, Lots of hodgepodge teams that basically make no sense just because War Games has to happen. Uh, And then the Survivor Series Invasion for the sake of Survivor Series fake brand loyalty. Not a fan, but there is a silver lining. Sometimes there is just a really good wrestling match with a really good wrestler that I must talk about. And that match is the Angel Garza versus Leo Rush for the Cruiserweight Championship bout. I did go ahead and watch uh, Angel Garza gaining the opportunity to be a number one contender. And I gotta say, this match was awesome. Leo Rush's new look uh, is quite nice. It's a breath of fresh air to see him being Leo Rush again at the end of the day. But hell Garza is amazing. He does his pulling the pants spot off, which the crowd just absolutely doors. He gets huge reaction from the crowd. But of course, since this is WWE, the loved guy is a heel. Uh, so he's not booed, even though he acts like a bad guy. But I could totally see why the crowd cheers him. Leo Rush has his family ringside, uh, wife and kid. Onhel um, Garza gets out of the ring, takes his pants off, and well, he's he's a nice guy. He gives Leo Rush's family free pants. I see no problem with that. Leo Rush just found that so insulting. I just can't imagine. So obviously, Leo Rush is the heel now, and Onhel Garza is the good guy. From this point forward. And they have a banger of a match. Um, in NXT fashion, though, uh, in WWE in general, the production drives you insane with uh, with commercials just mid-match out of nowhere. Sometimes multiple, incessant camera cuts that make you sick. Um, but despite all of the production flaws, the match itself was balls to the wall, heavy and just fast-paced... Uh, Garza just getting the best of Rush for, uh, quite a while the match. Leo Rush goes for his bottom rope springboard sit-out stunner. Uh, he goes for it the first time, doesn't connect, goes for it the second time, gets it. He goes for it to a third time to the well too much, and gets reversed. Uh, just a great match that ends with kind of a botched finish, where... Um, they each kick out of each other's finishers. Garza tries to go for an avalanche version of the wing clipper. And Rush reverses this into a Frankensteiner. Garza is close to the rope. And Rush... Uh, I keep wanting to say roosh, but it's not that's not right. Rush gets his uh, lowdown frog splash uh, on Garza on the ropes. And Garza kind of gets his foot on the ropes. Rush takes it off. Uh, the ref just continues the count. So there is a good chance we'll get a rematch, and I'm all for it. Uh, fantastic, uh, Garza. I hope isn't limited to the cruiser weights. Uh, I am aware of his match with Champa, where he basically got stomped. And it wasn't now. I'm not really not a fan of that because it just kind of set him at a pedestal. Because WWE has their stars, and then everyone else. So, it kind of gets you to look at guys in a certain way. It conditions you to think, if this guy's not the ma- in the main picture of things, he's not important enough. So, uh, luckily, the crowd in this match was absolutely on fire. Uh, yes, kitty cat? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, but, I want to see Garza now continue the feud, get a rematch, possibly lose, and then go for the North American title. Like, take that step up. I think uh, I think he is that damn good, that damn talented. Uh, he's got the charisma for it. He's got the look. I don't want to see him held back, basically. Uh, do I see him having success in WWE as a whole? Like, if he uh, moves on from NXT at some point? Uh, well, no. Because <laughs> it's WWE. In the next promotion, uh, as I move on here, it is over a promotion called GBG Wrestling. Uh, This is from their Bring the Riot show, and this is a promotion out of Göteborg, Sweden, of all places. And why am I talking about this promotion? Well, just so happens a... Heavily promoted match, you might say, uh, was on here. It is Cara Noir versus my man Michael Finn from Body Slam Wrestling, the uh, the the the, uh, the Get High bad guy, the uh, King of Zorbril. He, uh, King of Wrong Style. He, though, these two had a simple, you know, ten minute match. And it told a good story, very very simple enough. Uh, Michael Finn is booed and disrespected out of the building, essentially. And the story was Car Noir was obviously the uh, the big the big babyface character. He messes with Finn at the beginning, sticks his hand in his pants, pulls out the big f- big middle finger. How dare he! Um, they have a very good back and forth situation. In which uh, Michael Finn actually takes a good chunk of the match. So you would you would think, uh, just based on Star Power alone, that Car Noir uh, would kind of be the guy controlling. But it was Michael Finn running the show and the Noir comeback. Uh, at one point, Finn goes for the Finn Cutter. The, uh, the second rope Oz Cutter, if you will. Uh, Noir's... Uh, falls to the ground, rolls to the rope and gives him the middle finger. So that continues that story there. Uh, just fantastic stuff. Finn does eventually hit the Finn cutter after just an amazing ending sequence of w- one in which I really thought Carrion was going to win with uh, locking in the uh, the uh, the the big running sleeper hold. Uh, Finn breaks out of it and then it's, he's slow to get out of it, and that's when Karnoar rises from the dead, essentially, and grabs him again. I really thought that was going to be the end of the match, but Finn does manage to, to get out of that, and that's when he hits his Finn cutter for the win in Sweden. It looked like a pretty cool venue. There was a good second-level deck area there. Fans were really close to the ring. Uh, one, one camera view at the bottom of the ring featured the whole match, so uh, I did put it out on my Twitter, A link to uh, uh, a Facebook link where you can watch the match. Uh, It's really fun stuff. Uh, I do recommend it. So, Michael Finn breaking grounds in multiple countries. And it was just announced that for 16 Carats in March 2020 in WXW, they're going to be featuring not just Smash Wrestling and Wrestling Cult of of Germany, they're also going to be featuring uh, Body Slam Wrestling of Denmark. So... Jokingly, I, I've been making um, like some Marky fandom things on there, but I really, really hope this leads to a good little partnership going forward with uh, not just Smash Wrestling in Canada, but uh, Body Slam Wrestling wrestlers and WXW wrestlers, kind of doing talent exchanges more often, bring in fresh talent. Like I said before, Michael Finn in WXW I think is just a fit, and I even see Peter Olesander also being a nice fit uh, with his with his cult gimmick and characters uh, he could really have his own little body slam stable of sorts so uh, fingers crossed that Michael Finn in in a, in just himself is in 16 karat uh, next year That's my fingers crossed there or even an invasion angle ha 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 Well moving on as I play the first drop of the podcast uh oh, Why did that happen? Uh, don't want that. It seems my window's freaked out. Uh, okay. Here we go. Yes, we're back with more Gato Move. Uh, various got gotcha to move that was released uh, from the end of October to about mid-November here. Got a number of matches listed that were released. Um, mostly the early November ones. Uh, but there was an April 27, 2019 match of Mitsuru Kono versus Sawa- Sawasti Common. A quick high-speed six-minute match. Very simple. Common does get the win. Lots of good suplexes overall from both Uh November 2nd, 2019, was Mei Suruga defeats rookie Tokiko Kirihara. A simple effective rookie match, like something you would see on the Stardom Undercard, if I was to compare. You see quite quite a bit of potential out of Kirihara, whom I believe just debuted a month ago. And uh, I hope she gets new gear. I'm not a big fan of the whole baggy shirt thing she's got going on. Uh, but a lot of rookie, a lot of rookie matches, rookie debuts against uh, the more the three more established stars of Gato Move. In November tenth match, uh, Mitsuru Kono defeating Sayuri, another simple rookie showing from Sayuri this time, basically trying out her offense. Uh, so if you're into kind of Seeing stars debut and seeing how they make out. Maybe seeing the future potential that one might has. A lot of these Gato Move matches that came out are doing that. Uh, Another November 10th show was Hagane Shino defeating uh, Yuna Mizumori. This was not a rookie match. Uh, This was an intergender match. I thought it was great showing from Yuna here. I've really come around on her. Seen a a bunch more matches from Yuna. Probably my favorite match I've seen from her, as a matter of fact. Uh, seeing her pulling off all her power moves against a larger opponent was definitely something I wanted to see more of. Uh, Shino is this martial arts type guy. He, that's his offense, so seeing the powerhouse unit taking the chops, the kicks, uh, eventually mounting her comeback made for a really good and fun match. She did end up tapping to some wild octopus type stretch in the end. Uh, so this was a this was a good match for Mizumori here. On November thirteenth, there was a couple matches that were released. Uh, this was another Yuna match. She defeats uh, the rookie Sayuri. So Sayuri's here again. Uh, basically, um, rookie taking on top Gato move player. Of course, Yuna gives a good showing. This is what I've seen most of her matches in. Is in this case, I liked what I saw out of Sayuri more so in this match. Yuna is definitely the more vers- is much more versatile in her work than, uh, than Kono. So, was able to work with the rookie way more. Made for a better match, therefore. Uh, and then finally, Masahiro Takanashi and Cherry. Uh, Cherry is a 46-year-old veteran, for those that don't know. Defeats the team of Kono and Chie. Uh, this was just okay. Uh, pretty standard match here with a Vets win, not much else. Uh, what I did like... Worth uh worth a fun note is the like four second video that started off uh, for Gato move here instead of just their usual uh, da 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 sound it's it's Kono Mei, and Yuna uh, they're in a line right and they're rolling their arms and going uh in and out shot in and out of the shot sideways and they're saying uh, in japanese please subscribe to our youtube, ch- YouTube channel for uh forgot to move it's it's fun it's goofy and it's exactly perfect for the channel so uh easy got to move watching lots of rookie stuff uh it really gets you to realize uh how many just people <laughs> that are coming out of this school and looking as good as they do it's it's uh it's it's quite a class and promotion that's that's coming. Uh, I, I I hope it, uh, it, it definitely has more promise than, say, when I look at another promotion like Ice Ribbon, uh, where it, it, it seems very stagnant in the undercard to the midcard. Uh, not a lot of depth in the roster. In this case, I can see the depth there. It just needs to develop. Uh, Lulu Pencil is just going off on a tear. Her and uh, Mesuga went over to pro wrestling eve in the uk they got a big reception you can find that stuff on social media so fun stuff uh good job Gato to move keep it up as i play the next drop we can move on just going really quick today quite nice need a good change of pace there
1: the best there is the best there was and the best there ever will be
0: best there ever will be well i knew the day was coming The day has come where I must talk about Lex Luger, NWA US champion. We're keep going down uh, the list. This is NWA US champion 19, the 19th champion, Lex Luger, in the 35th reign of the title. He wins the title off Nikita Koloff in a steel cage match at the Great American Bash in 1987. Luger would go on to reign for 138 days from July 11th, 1987 to November 26th. 1987, losing it eventually to Dusty Rhodes. Now I have a very strong opinion over Lex Luger. I uh, never understood the hype behind the guy. Never, because my exposure to him was the Luger, the Lex Express in WWF in the early '90s. His eventually his eventual turning on uh, turning up on Nitro uh, way later. Uh, Him putting on just boring-ass matches on Nitro for seemingly forever. Just boring promos. But he had a good body, and he was a big star. That is undeniable. But fuck, I hated this guy. And my mom really liked him. The Narcissist. That was her favorite version of Lex Luger. So, was my opinion the same in the NWA during the US title stuff. And I can say it's a little better. I can I he's much more mobile. Uh he has a little bit more personality, but I will be honest, he was carried during a lot of this. Uh his his n- no charisma, no personality facing off against guys like Koloff, Dusty Rhodes, um eventually becoming part of of the the Horseman with Flair like he was surrounded with personalities period uh the the he put a quick, big quick stamp on the Koloff thing that didn't last very long at all from the moment it was started uh he had seemingly a forever feud with Sting uh where he just was yeah Sting and Sting and Flair in its own right uh, just it never ended he was always at the top but uh, the, 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 the the Dusty Rhodes thing, like, the matches were just okay. They were really just built off the heat and the want of the title more than anything. Uh, him being much more mobile saved a lot of the few matches I watched with him. I did watch the Great American Bash match. I did watch him losing uh, him in various matches to Dusty Rhodes. But overall, Lex Luger does nothing for me. It, this is the this is uh, the best time of the NWA U.S. title. Uh, just filled with a lot all the characters of Magnum T.A. Uh, Tully, Koloff. Uh, that era was just so good, and I can see the issues with NWA like Crockett booking now with the whole Luger, and then going to Rhodes and. Luger going up the card right after this and and just killing uh ki- what, what um not influence but um interest killing interest in the top so boring and um uh, this this trip down not my memory lane but for a lot of people it's it's definitely a retrospect on Luger in general And he's definitely, like, I've compared him to today's Roman Reigns character. He has, like, four moves, tries to get over with, like, just a smug charisma that you just can't help but hate. Uh, He's a good-looking guy, quote-unquote. So, yeah, not a Lex Luger guy at all. Still Still am not. Uh... The, the cage match was okay. He, ha, he has a good feud every now and again. But at the end of the day, uh, Luger's definitely one of the most overrated uh, NWA US champions I've come across. Uh, so he's going to fall pretty damn low on the list uh, when it's all said and done. Nice and quick, 21 minutes into the cast. And we're moving on to my mom and I talking uh, MLW some Beyond Wrestling from my personal experience at live, and uh, AEW, me live at full gear. So enjoy, and when I return, we'll be back.
1: Beyond Wrestling! Beyond Wrestling! Beyond Wrestling!
0: And welcome back to the weekly Wrestling Recap
1: Joined here. Yes,
0: Mom, you're back.
2: I'm back. I'm episode back. Episode
0: 44 in total.
2: Dang.
0: And I think you're on your, let's see here. Checking, checking, checking. Uh, fourth episode? Huh. No, sixth. This would huh. be your sixth episode because you did uh-uh. two MLWs prior and you've done three head-to-heads. So this is number six for you. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you're a month and a half into... <coughs> back into wrestling.
2: Back into wrestling. Yes. And, about,
0: and next week, you're coming to visit. And you're going to a wrestling show. I'm excited Thanksgiving. about
2: that. Yeah, I'm excited.
0: So I have news I'm going <coughs> to drop on you on the air. I hope you're ready. Are you pregnant? Me? <laughs> That would be a uh that would be a shock.
2: <laughs> it would be. So <coughs> I have
0: uh I have found an interesting water. place that was highly recommended that we go to on Thanksgiving afternoon before wrestling.
2: Oh, cool. What is it?
0: It is called Rice Not a
2: Mexican restaurant, I hope. I got enough of those down here.
0: <laughs> no.
2: Okay. Uh <laughs> I-, I can
0: assure you it is it is not Mexican food in Rhode Island. <laughs> That's well, already hard enough to everyone find. Everyone has their
2: own version of, you know, Mexican food, and then we have Tex-Mex, you know. Well, so. that
0: That is correct. No, this is, in fact, a uh, farm of some kind. It's called Wright's Farm, and mm-hmm. uh, I hope to officially reserve. I, I am on a list. Oh, it's a
2: farm-to-table place, I think.
0: Uh, Isn't ca-
2: it a farm-to-table place?
0: Um, perhaps. The point is, it is a chicken <laughs> farm in which w- it's basically all you can what? eat chick- yeah.
2: Do chicken. Yeah, I get to pick out my chicken like I do a lobster in a tank or something.
0: That would be cool. <laughs> I can't, I cannot <laughs> deny nor confirm that. <laughs>
2: that would be kind of funny.
0: <laughs> do I get to cut the head off myself and watch it run around?
2: <laughs> yeah. Or pick an eel out like they do in Germany. Those are kind of fun. They, you know, you have your eel tanks you ever see that in Germany? I did not. Well, they do. I guess it's in the fancier restaurants. Oh. Yeah. But they do. They have eel tanks. Or back in the day they did. You know how... Okay. You know when you're getting older when you have to say back in the day?
0: I suppose.
2: Yep. You're getting old when you say back in the day.
0: So today we got Beyond <laughs> Wrestling, of course, of uh, the, the show I go to weekly every Thursday. Uh, yes. We have MLW episode eighty-three, the fallout from uh, Saturday Night Super Fight,
2: right?
0: And then we have three AEW shows to do. The three. Uh, yes, the Go Home show before Full Gear, Full Gear itself, and then from this past Wednesday, the Fallout. Well, I Full don't Gear. know about
2: that third one you're talking about. The AEW, yes, you the watched the first it. one.
0: You watched what? it. You watched I them guess. all. You did.
2: Really? Yes. Oh, then maybe I, I need to get another piece of paper that I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. I don't know. Oh, my goodness.
0: The show before Full Gear. I don't
2: know. Oh, my goodness.
0: Well, I guess we'll find out when we get there. Yeah, I
2: don't know. I don't know about that today. So, beyond wrestling, moving <laughs> along.
0: Episode 6 was very skippable. Not a very good show. The main event was okay. Uh, definitely the... Let's call it the... Was it blood? Was it less, women? Th- no. There was no bloody women on this one. There was uh, It was the least exciting of them all. But Episode 7, I can proudly say, was the most exciting of them all. That was a fantastic show from start to finish uh it opened up with John Silver against Red Death Daniel Garcia totally got the crowd into a frenzy we are just screaming all night from that point forward the Chuck O'Neill Pinky Sanchez match was the worst one the the least match of the night contender uh but it had story purposes where Chuck O'Neill this MMA guy went to uh beat up Pinky Sanchez and uh his tag team partner uh, as my cat hits the mic, he's still running around the apartment. He, uh, Pinky's tag team partner came out to save him and challenged him to a match next week. So continuing that, that was cool. Uh, which is this week? Which is this Thursday? Yeah. On recording. Yep.
1: yep.
0: Um, the bird and the bee uh, defeated Club Club Cam. So that was that was a lots of that was lots of fun. Club Cam is in. Is in a, a crossroads. They are. They haven't won a lot lately, so they're very. Uh, they're very distraught. This is the bad guy team, and the bad guy team doesn't like losing.
2: Uh-huh. Okay. Uh huh. Okay.
0: Discovery Gauntlet continued. Gary J. Uh, and mom, you would get a kick out of the way this guy uh, looks. He is. Um, he's got long stringy hair, a red ginger beard. He's balding on the top. He has a singlet. <laughs> Uh, of sorts. And then he has... They're not quite basketball shoes, but they're... They're they're closer to wrestling shoes, but they're not actually that. And he has Rugrats socks on.
2: Oh, hysterical.
0: Yeah. He looks well, maybe like a he's guy... Trying
2: to, he's trying to find himself.
0: I, I don't know. But when I look at this guy, I go, my god, that looks like a jobber. Are you familiar with the term, jo- term jobber? Uh-uh. Okay, well... A jobber in wrestling is someone who goes out there just to get the shit kicked out of him by a dude.
2: Oh, and did that happen?
0: No, no, no. He won. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Which was quite baffling, but it was from Tony Deppin kind of distracting him. And then he had a match with Chris Dickinson in which that was a really fun match. Highly recommend. Go check that one out. But yeah, Gary J, I look at him and I go, man, I'd like to see him on AEW or something where he just gets... The shit kicked out of him. He looks like that kind of guy. Yeah. Um
2: how big is he?
0: Hmm. Well, he's really skinny. He he doesn't look more than 160 pounds, but he's Uh-oh. like five eleven at least.
2: So what is he like Oliver?
0: Uh I would actually say he's skinnier than Oliver. No way. Yeah.
2: Oh my god.
0: Yeah. 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 yeah uh nerd earth kill got to win and then the main well, event obvious,
2: obviously he doesn't do steroids
0: <laughs> no he does not that is that that i can guarantee and if he does That's he's it. doing them poorly <laughs> <laughs> and in the main event was chris statlander the the galaxy's greatest alien taking on mercedes martinez whom uh if we watch aew dark tomorrow they will be on it together
2: no kidding. Yeah,
0: so they were in the main event here, and it was a really good women's match that was quite entertaining. Mm. So, from top to bottom, it was a fun night at Beyond Wrestling. I had my uh, Compass Tavern little thing night before, or uh, yeah. uh t- you know, before I went. So, right, sticking to my my own little Thursday night tradition. Prior gotcha. had a couple beers. So I was I was having a good time. Sure. Ringside banging away, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They serve beers there, too. They do serve beers there. But they ran out of the summer beer. Uh, I believe so, yes. (laughs) Yes. But they ran out of their summer beer specials for $2 just trying to get rid of all the summer beers. Sure. So I was like, dang. Oh. (laughs) No more cheap beverages, I
2: guess. (laughs) Oh, bummer. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I'm looking. Extra dollar.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to you coming uh, on Thursday next week. It was announced after Chris Statlander won her match that she will be the captain of Team Beyond uh, in a five-on-five elimination match on Thanksgiving.
1: Whoa! And you can hear
0: me go, Who's your partners? And then she goes, It's a secret.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I just went, Ah,
0: of course it is. (laughs)
2: Hey, they don't show any of that on YouTube, eh?
0: Uh, they they put matches out on YouTube. You can definitely find me in the crowd on most of them. Oh, they do. Okay. Uh, yeah, but I could also give you my website information. Or you can check out the episode, and I could send you pictures that are that have been taken. You can see me in the audience. Uh huh. Could do that.
2: Yeah.
0: If you so if you so choose to uh, use.
2: Yeah. Do that.
0: Okay. All right. That was Beyond Wrestling. Let me play the drop. We can go on to MLW, which should be a short one today
2: Uh
0: uh-huh all right mother we watched MLW episode 83 the fallout of Saturday Night Super Fight we did you know the the show I have
2: to turn my page
0: (laughs) you're so old school with everything (laughs)
2: <laughs> hey, believe me, when when things go wrong, I have it written down to look back and know that,
1: hmm, uh-huh,
2: Well,
0: you're right, but the way I look at it is if I can't access my information, we're not recording a podcast, because that means my computer's out.
2: <laughs> uh-huh, well, at uh-huh. some point, I'm going to have to uh, get a new computer myself.
0: Well, Black Friday's right around the corner, <laughs> you could totally use that day to get one sure yeah or cyber monday either or whatever whatever anyways episode 83 yeah what'd you think good show easy show
2: (laughs) there's a lot of talking on that one a lot lot of john on that one
0: uh there was there was only two Mm -hmm. matches Mm
2: mm-hmm
0: yes two matches
2: yeah two matches and oh, I, and I think because they wanted to um, introduce a new uh, a newbie coming into MLW, and I I think that's um, part of that. Plus, you know, hail Contra, with that two
1: all groups. <laughs> ah, you know,
0: hail hail Contra. <laughs> Plus that. Well, the show the show begins with Joseph Samael of Contra cutting a promo celebrating the fall of Promociones Dorado, as he says, mm-hmm. as he does, and the mm-hmm. crumbling of castles of MLW. Ah. He warns that Contra's reign of terror will continue, and mayhaps more soldiers will join Contra. Samael goes on to say Contra wants the rest of the titles in MLW, so they have a, um... A mission statement, if you will. He calls out mm-hmm. specifically the Von Erics for their tag titles, mm-hmm. uh, and Teddy Hart for his middleweight championship, promising to make them all say, "Hail Contra!"
2: Right, and the crowd and... kind
0: of boos, sort of, mm-hmm. kind of.
2: hmm But I-, I see, I see all the belts going to fat. Ooh.
0: Well, maybe not him specifically, but contra no, for sure. But
2: yeah, contra for sure because you know the the way it's looking and and who's winning and and I'm like, oh my god, you know he shouldn't have won, and uh, it got me to thinking what's going on with um, Teddy Hart after watching him. I mean, what a wow. what a. a you know, just doing the. We'll do the first one first. The 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 first um, match with Timothy Thatcher and Loki, which who shouldn't have won because Timothy Thatcher honestly had it. He was he was dominant the whole time, and then all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, I'm a little baby, and Loki's going to make me." And I'm like, "Oh my god." <laughs> It was horrible. I was so pissed that Loki won because because Timothy Thatcher should have ultimately won. I was very disappointed to see that. I was
0: as well, but I I, I think I hear me out. I think I see the plan here. Uh, Well, first of all, I'm I'm disappointed because Timothy Thatcher is the champion of Germany. Right now, he is there. He is WXW's champion.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Uh, so, Loki, key uh, before you started watching MLW, was winning a lot of his matches with, like, one kick or one punch and knocking them out, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In this one, he was getting the shit kicked out of him, and he locks mm-hmm. in one submission, and he gets them to submit. Yeah, bullshit. So, I think that's a foreshadowing... I well, I call bullshit, too, because that's dumb. Uh,
2: yeah, and he, and he hardly had a lock on him, too. I mean... When I see a headlock going, I you see it, and, and this was like so weak, and I'm like, what the heck? Well, see, this that's the thing. Is- you
0: remember uh, I talked about a Beyond Wrestling main event of Timothy Thatcher and Eddie Kingston where it was kind of boring, mm-hmm. and it was mostly Thatcher mm-hmm. kind of doing his wrestling style over him. That's mm-hmm. kind of what this was, was low-key just getting the crap kicked out of him, and then mm-hmm. the match just ends, right?
2: Well, it wasn't even a match, really, because they're they're not. I mean, Timothy Thatcher is a hunk, you know; he's a hunk of guy. And then Loki is just like.
0: Eh. I think we should expand that. You can't just say "hunk of guy" and just and just push he's it off like that.
2: Of so, he's a hunk of guy. He's got kind, a lot of you're meat kind of, on you're kind of him. Dude. He, he's bulked up, you know. I mean, shit, I wouldn't want. He's a big guy.
0: He is a big dude. You should see him in he's, person. He's quite. Yeah. He's, he's an I impressive can... male specimen.
2: Yeah, he's he's a big dude. <laughs> <laughs> he is impressive and he's cute too. Which oh. helps.
0: Well, he's missing half his teeth.
2: Well, I didn't see that.
0: Oh, okay. He's it like didn't a hockey look player. Oh, like
2: it. Oh, really? Cuz um I they did a close up on him and he had all his teeth.
0: Um I think he's missing like a couple bottom and one top tooth. So he mm. looks like a hockey his mouth looks like a hockey player. The after effects of taking a puck to the face kind of deal. Anyways, (laughs) I think Loki is going to win his next couple matches on MLW via submission win, like kind of out Uh, of nowhere uh to uh kind of mirror his knockout wins he was pulling for a little while. Uh Uh, It's going to get old really fast if this is the case. Hopefully it's just a one-off and they have a direction for Loki because Thatcher seems to not be a permanent stay in MLW. Mm. Uh, He looks to be a kind of Big name, big guy that they brought in for his name to get Mm -hmm. other guys in MLW over. Mm. You know, people beat him and make themselves look better kind of deal.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, Then we got a bunch of talking segments in between, as MLW does. Uh, Cameras Mm. catch up with Mr. Filthy Tom Lawler, and Mm -hmm. uh, they do a funny little thing where he's with the Von and A reporter just comes up and goes, Hey, rumors, uh, what do you say to the rumors that you've signed with New Japan or WWE? And Tom Lawler just goes, t- "Come on, get get out of here, dirt sheets." What, what this isn't the Torch, which is for you, mother. A uh, just for reference, the Torch is a wrestling news website.
2: And yeah,
0: and Lawler yeah. worked for its competitor at one uh, at one time. Oh, okay. So that's kind of an inside joke. Well, right,
2: and he you know. was with MMA too.
0: That is correct. Mhm. Uh, and speaking of MMA. Uh the I guess Come recently retired King
2: Mo Yeah.
0: The recently retired Bellator fighter King Mo was announced to be coming to MLW. He does a little interview, uh, in his King Mo way. Uh and then Injustice follow that up with a promo about Myron Reed's title match later tonight against Teddy Hart. So mm-hmm. you do their Injustice
2: thing. And and, and Mr. Velvicat. <laughs>
0: Mr. Velvet did a, did accompany Teddy Hart to the ring for his middleweight yes. title match against actually, Myron I think, Reed. I think
2: Mr. Velvet probably would have done better in the ring.
0: Ooh. <laughs> is that is that a jab against Teddy Hart or Myron it Reed? It is.
2: It is. Teddy Hart is is just a waste of space right now. He's like oh, yeah. he I don't know what his problem is, but he just has a very slow way about him like there's something not right he doesn't have that power drive that he did in the beginning he's like really there's just nothing no persona there's just nothing well he does completely
0: and totally lack charisma he tries to make it up with his goofy costumes and his uh and mr velvet accompanied his sparkly
2: costumes i mean that ain't gonna make it (laughs) That's going to go, ew.
0: Well, he's super athletic, and that's how he gets over, because he's very impressive and smooth. But yes, mm-hmm. he defended his middleweight title against Myron Reed with Injustice ringside. This is your main event, Mother, and you were quite excited when you read the news prior to watching.
2: Yeah, and I watched and I got uh, I had to watch it a couple of times to really see exactly what happened, because at certain angles, it looks worse than it actually was uh-huh and uh, not not seeing the third degree burns or The you know it's not bad
0: well what are you exactly referring to <laughs> for our listeners who haven't seen the match
2: for uh when the um when sam mm-hmm. blew the blew the fire in his face fireball yeah fireball heart heart in the face um uh, I, you know, honestly, um, I didn't see it going that close to his face by the, by the me rewatching it. I'm like, Hmm. And so he's, he, and, and here's the thing. And this is why I think that, um, this match kind of, of uh, had to put Teddy Hart out for a while because he's been injured. And I think with um he needs to recover from his injuries, whatever mm-hmm. they are. And so I think they may they blew this thing up to say, you know, he's out indefinitely with a third degree burns and um and it's give a good it to way My- to get him off T V
0: you know. for a while.
2: Right. Give it to Myron Reed and Myron Reed's uh, whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just well. I just, you know, I really would like to see Myron Reed without that freaking chest protector. That's so stupid.
0: There's going to be a story of him having to take it off. Uh, Well, uh, the way the the match basically went down is it was kind of the Teddy Hart show beating down on Myron Reed. Uh, He beats up Injustice in between despite the constant interference. Reed got some offense, but it really felt like nothing. It was just kind of walking around the mat for a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Hart gets distracted by Jordan Oliver uh, near the end, which feels like a year in between something actually happening. They're just like mm-hmm. talking. to, They're like having a conversation about, mm-hmm. I don't know, did they leave the stove on at home or something? It was just forever. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, then- and then
2: the, then the part with uh, Oliver, he had something. See, he had something in his hand and then he didn't have it in his hand. And I think it was handed to Hart. It
0: was all really weird. I don't know what was going on. Maybe he, yeah, maybe he handed him like a blood pack or something. I don't know. Uh, But Samael finally pops in out of nowhere, throws a fireball into Hart's face. Reed hits a 450 splash to pin him and shockingly become the new champ. So Contra stays true to their word that they're coming for the title. So they took it off Teddy Hart. Right. Uh, Myron Reed comes off as a total stooge here. He doesn't look like a champion at all. He's going to nah. get the crap kicked out of him by somebody. Oh yeah,
2: they all will.
0: They all yeah. Whether Contra just beats him down hard and oh, then yeah. who do, who does that help in the end? I don't know. Right. Uh, I didn't like this very much at all. the The new champ is a shock. That's all it kind of is. Uh, And as you said, on social media, we find out later, Hart is out indefinitely due to the third-degree burns and multiple injuries he suffered before and after the match, or during the match, if you will. Uh, Mm -hmm. And there's more rumors surrounding Teddy Hart that uh, he could be moving to Florida and perhaps signing with either WWE or AEW. So...
1: Oh. The rumor
0: mill is going heavily. There's also mm. big rumors of mm. Teddy Hart kind of being kind of pushed into seclusion, if you will, because of bad rumors, um, because of his past. Teddy Hart, I don't know uh, if you know, Mother, but um, he has a very, very shady past of misdoings, to put it nicely. Okay. Uh, of whom people he's hung out with or or been uh convicted of whether it's drugs alcohol uh spousal abuse he's been connected to uh uh women trafficking uh he's one of his one of his old friends older friends is a convicted um, child sex offender I think that's right. Uh, And he's back. That guy's back in the news. So, of course, when they start looking up, Teddy Hart's connected to him and in some way because they were friends. Uh, So there's there's a lot of news surrounding Teddy Hart lately. Uh, Good and bad.
2: I gotcha. (laughs)
0: Right. So it's very it's very uh, it's very shady.
2: You gave me more news than I knew.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm filling in gaps.
2: (laughs) Sure. that's, That's a good one. But in
0: terms of the MLW universe, uh, he's out with burns to his face. From sure. the hands of Contra. Did he say Oh hail sure. Contra? He certainly did not. Therefore, he is he is burned out of existence temporarily. <laughs>
2: huh. Well, okay. that's very interesting. Poor Vel- Mr. Velvet.
0: Mr. Velvet you is know, definitely I, I uh... feel
2: bad for Mr. Velvet. Anyways, that cat there there's something that you know, there's something about having an animal and how how that animal is brought into such an environment. I, I'm just like, that's... All the noise and crowd yeah, and... Yeah, that's, that's, that's not normal.
0: Well, have you seen um, the bear pushing a wheelbarrow in a circus and mm-hmm. then it just turns and, ma- like, mauls mm-hmm. the, the yeah. dude? <laughs> and right, everyone's I like waiting for that. And an- everyone's, like, calling animal abuse. And I'm like, well... <laughs> uh it is and then the <laughs> the people in charge fucking paid for it so
2: <laughs> right right yeah so yeah well at least we don't have to see Mr. Velvet cat be abused anymore i
0: mean it would be funny if he just like turns and jumps on teddy hart's face one day <laughs> just raw <laughs> claws and he just flails everywhere <laughs>
2: Now that would be a good fight. <laughs>
0: that would be hysterical. It would. It would just be like I feel bad for the cat, but that's really funny. That's like cartoony, you know. Right. <laughs> you hear. You hear the muffled voice. No, Mister Velvet, get off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that, I think it's. I think it's a good time to play some AEW a- music because we yeah, got a go lot, to, uh, lot to. to. Lots to talk about there.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh,
0: where's Kenny Omega's music? Had it. Where'd it go? Okay, there
1: it is. The one-winged angel screams! It fuels my hearts and dreams! The best bad machine!
0: Yes. Yes, indeed.
1: Yes,
2: indeed.
0: Indeed. All, all of the indeed. Indeed. AEW, episode 6, November 6th, 2019, from Charlotte.
2: Oh, I guess I didn't watch it, JD. I'm sorry.
0: I'm sure you did. I don't know. I'm sure you did.
2: I had six hours of watching and I didn't watch it. (laughs) I was on vacation.
0: I know you were, but I'm pretty sure you watched this. So And if you didn't I will fill I mom, you gotta watch every episode. That is the rule.
2: (laughs) Well, I'm sorry, but it ain't happening.
0: All right. Well, Can't I will fill all... in the gaps for you. How about yeah, that? Yeah, you do that. All right. So, Pack opens up the show against your man, Trent, in a fantastic Trent. match. Yes, Trent of the best friends. He's got the uh, the body you so oh. like and the hairy chest that you so like.
2: Yes, my
1: God.
0: I guess you didn't watch this show. How I you? told you. Mm-hmm.
2: I did well, it was not. a very good match. I was match. on vacation.
0: It was a very good match, and it ends via ref stopping his count for no reason. Uh, we don't know why. Uh, there's a lot of speculation surrounding between a miscommunication between the wrestlers or the ref or what have you. Uh, kind of, it didn't totally ruin the match, but it was kind of weird.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, Pack puts him in uh, the submission hold and gets the win that way. <gasps> yes, your man Trent lost. What? Yes.
2: How wrong is that? Was. Slimebog made
0: it. Sl- slime yes, slimy pack one. Well,
2: he's got to win some, I guess. He's
0: yeah. Mm. Mm. He's got to get ready for uh, all that cowboy shit that was going to be at Full Gear. Mhm. Hangman Page was bringing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was followed by uh, an amazing Cody Rhodes promo gearing up for Full Gear. He addresses Chris Jericho as a succubus surrounding himself with impressionable youth. He says this should be about the living, not his not his dad. He references the past of NWA, saying the champions were also management. This is kind of referring to himself. Uh-huh. Uh, so therefore, he lays down the stipulation, if he does not beat Chris Jericho at full gear for the title, he will never challenge for the title again.
2: I call bullshit. Why is that? <sighs> really? Because time okay. and time
0: again, wrestling breaks the rules?
2: Of course. Okay.
0: Well, I could see this going a number of different ways. Uh, this was my thought process going into full gear. Because mm-hmm. uh, I thought this was built incredibly well. It was a lot of fun. Uh, he s- specifically says the words, he will never challenge for the title again, Right.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so what he can do is antagonize a champion or what have you and have them challenge him so he's not technically challenging Mm -hmm. for the title uh he could uh be he could become a bad guy you know heal management and just say well fuck it i'm gonna use my uh my executive powers to uh you know Take the title when it's vacant, or you know anything. You can come Uh, up with a a thousand different stories uh, to go go around this this phrase he used to be be, super specific about it.
2: Moxley,
0: (laughs) something something along that line. Uh Uh, Followed up with private party versus the Dark Order for third place in the tag title tournament, where the winner gets a tag title shot at full gear. This was announced as a bronze medal match. Complete with third place medals, mother. Oh. Nice little touch. Now,
1: oh.
0: it took me forever to find out why the Lucha Bros get another shot at the tag titles at Full Gear, despite just losing to SU last week, if I right. remember correctly. Right. Well, the tag title match is a triple threat match, right? Okay. Follow me? hmm So the teams that finished 1-2-3 in the tournament get into the three-way match so the lucha bros mm-hmm. got second place therefore they're in it
1: mm-hmm.
0: it does make sense but it could have been vastly explained a lot better because mm-hmm. i was left baffled at first for a while mm-hmm. i had to really put that together uh but nonetheless this was a real good match crowd generally booze the dark order now they're getting actual booze instead of just kind of sty- silence that they've been getting
2: Oh, why? I like Dark Order.
0: I like them too. People are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I love them and their minions, and yeah. uh, the difference that they bring to a very flippy tag team division. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was followed up with a women's match. Emmy Sakura and Jamie Hayter defeating AEW's women's champion Riho and Shauna. So Shauna gets a another uh, appearance on Dynamite here. This was okay, and then the last minute happens where Riho and Sakura exchange a million cradle falls till finally Sakura gets the one and pins Riho. Her first pinfall loss in AEW, I believe. So it's kind of a big deal. Now...
2: Sakura, wasn't she the teacher?
0: Yes, that is correct. It's funny you mention that. So I thought this would have been way better if... A, they didn't announce the title match at Full Gear prior. Right?
2: Yeah.
0: My phone rings, I turn that off. Or, and or, if you will, show a video package prior to the match of the history between Riho and Emi Sakura. Because the story really writes itself. Teacher-student, they've had a billion matches together. They started this really small promotion in Thailand and Tokyo going between the two. Uh Uh-huh. you know, Emmy's Emmy first met Riho when she was like twelve, straight out oh. of gymnastics, right? Nine.
2: She was nine.
0: Well, she was nine when she started, but she met Emmy, I believe, at twelve. If I have my facts straight.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: It wasn't until Riho went to like a school of Emmy's specifically, uh-huh. as she was getting into wrestling,
2: because uh-huh.
0: um, they did basically nothing other than kind of commentary mentioning it. Uh huh. Before going into this into this match, but need, uh-huh. needless to say, Emmy Sakura got the pin over her student. Um there was a match between Spears and Cutler. Spears wins. Um Spears and Tully Blanchard need to be in a faction or group of some kind. Cause Spears is doing basically nothing. Uh-huh. You agree with this? Uh-huh just kind of by himself with the old man. The old man's not talking, even though he has talking ability.
2: Yeah, uh, it's he- kind of stupid.
0: Yeah, they're not doing anything. No, um, not
2: really.
0: Spears tries to beat up Cutler. Joey Janella, kind of saves him, so.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you missed the Chris Jericho spoof video. Oh! So, weeks and weeks ago... Uh, Cody's, they showed a video of Cody getting ready for the title match, right? He's at his executive desk. Brandy's talking to him about this and that. He just goes, whatever you want, honey, And kisses her. Uh, then it shows him like working out. Then there's a bunch of people close to Cody and they're just like, yeah, I, you know, diamond Dallas page, uh, number of other people are like, yeah, I believe in Cody. He's going to win. What a man, you know? Well, Chris (laughs) Jericho does a spoof over that same video gotta watch this
1: okay well. it is
0: utterly fantastic as i'm going to explain it to you in the audience right now okay sammy guevara chris jericho's at a at a desk of some kind he's deep in thought sammy guevara comes and he has two bottles of the bubbly with him of course of, of course and he goes hey do you want the better tasting or the low calorie bubbly Jericho goes, whatever you want, and he gets up and kisses Sammy Guevara, walks away. <laughs> then it cuts to a number of people close to Jericho. You have Soul Train Jones, the <laughs> you would better know him, mother, as Virgil. Does that name ring a bell?
2: No. The
0: show the chauffeur hand uh the, the chauffeur manager of Ted the million dollar man, D.B. Oh
2: wow.
0: You remember the the black guy that would uh that would accompany him?
2: Uh-huh. That yeah, guy. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. So he's okay. so he
0: soul trained Jones and he
1: <laughs> and he's being
0: interviewed and he goes Chris Jericho's talent is just like the Olive Garden breadsticks. Unlimited. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Cuts to Sammy Guevara. And he's He's just baffled in his glory. Cuts to Jake Hagar and it's just him standing there saying nothing. <laughs> Gets to uh, Chris Jericho's aunt's friend from church, and she goes, "I've always believed Chris Jericho was gonna be the AEW champion, <laughs> and she's always believed he's he's gonna kick the shit out of Cody, which is really funny. They bleep her out, and she's this old woman." Uh huh. Sammy Guevara says he, uh, Jericho is the youngest ever AEW champion at 48 years old.
2: <laughs> he's 49.
0: 49 now, because his yeah. birthday was at Full Gear. Right. was on Full Gear Day. Uh, Chris Jericho's in a bathtub, and he's self-contemplating. He, he's, you know, it's really tough waking up and dealing with how amazing I am.
2: Oh, God.
0: And he's got his, he's in a bathtub with, because uh, G- G- Cody went into kind of a like a tanning, uh, like, not the tanning booth. It was like the the, the, the completely soundproof booth thing, like tub uh-huh. that they go into. Yeah. Well, Jericho's just in like a hotel bathtub with a black light, and he's got his fedora cap on and a scarf <laughs> in there, and he's drinking the bubbly. <laughs> it's great. With no longer. So right. Was- <laughs> No, there was water in the tub. Oh, so his okay. scarfs, like, floating in the water and everything.
1: What the heck? <laughs> It's
0: the greatest video ever. Okay. And then we go on to the, the main event. AEW world champion Chris Jericho teaming with Sammy Guevara against Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. Fun, simple match that had Pac interfere at the end, costing Page the match, low blows him. Jericho hits him with the... Uh, uh, the 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 spinning back elbow, the Judas effect,
1: mm-hmm.
0: inner circle get the win, and afterwards there's a massive brawl breakout between basically everyone involved. Uh, that's the elite, the inner circle, and Moxley. Uh, of course, Omega and Moxley have another little standoff, weapons wise. Uh, it was pure mayhem that made all the sense in the world. A great go home segment for full gear. Uh-huh. <laughs> What I feel was missing on the show was a Kenny Omega promo on Moxley because we got one from Moxley, but nothing on uh, nothing from Omega.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We got no B Priestley promo on Britt Baker uh, for their match
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, on Dark on AEW Dark. I don't know if you've continued watching that, Mom. Mm-hmm. Well, apparent uh, there was a Britt Baker promo on B Priestley on Dark, but they didn't show it on TV. I thought that was a, a misstep. Uh, So the builds are all there for these matches at Full Gear, but they did not do a good enough job showing these on TV. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is AEW's, I think, downfall of assuming your audience is kind of all over social media and all over all these other things you're showing. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're forcing your audience to put all the pieces together themselves instead of Mm -hmm. showing you the puzzle with the pieces in one place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't agree uh, agree with a lot of that. So, I mean, you can easily cut like a minute or two from some of these matches and just show a quick little promo, right, or a right. little video or a package or something. Something um, which they did at Full Gear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, speaking of Full Gear, here's Full Gear. You definitely watched
2: full this. Gear. I, yeah, I watched it. My poor body, eyes, help me.
0: Well, I was there. I drove the seven and a half hours down to Baltimore.
2: Yeah, and... you couldn't drive six and a half to see me when I was in Delaware. That's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> Just had to throw it out there, JD. Y- yeah, I knew it was coming.
0: <laughs> I even went through Delaware on the on the way here. <laughs> oh <laughs> way yeah, I went through like six states. It was yeah. like Jesus, I'm going through them all.
1: Yeah, uh huh. Uh-huh. So I've officially
0: been to Delaware now as well. <laughs>
2: No, you have to stay. And oh,
0: work. I didn't know you that was a rule. You can't just drive through. Oh. <laughs> you
2: can't say wave and say I've been there. Okay. Whatever. Uh,
0: but it took place at the Royal Farms Arena that was built in like 1963 or something or another, and it sounded like it was from 1963. The sound does not carry in this arena at all, and it feels old, Right? I could barely hear the entrance music for a good majority of wow. a lot of the wrestlers. Uh, wow. I could see people in the lower section screaming and reacting to everything, but I couldn't hear, hear them in the sections I was. All I could hear, really, was the people around me.
2: Wow. Huh. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah. So, because when I went home... When I got home and watched a couple of the matches over again, just just see different angles and whatnot, uh-huh. see if I missed anything. Uh, yeah, you could not hear the crowd on TV either, Nuh-uh.
1: Uh-huh. even though
0: it was very visual that you could see the people reacting. Right. Uh, even I had trouble hearing a lot of it. Uh, yeah. Outside of the section I was, just sound does not carry.
1: Yeah. In
0: this place, it was horrid. It was very strange. So, that was my. But it was a really what, fun night.
2: And it was an arena. So yes. did they play basketball in there or
0: uh, they do a no- number of different things there. I believe the um, I believe a college does play there. Uh they have a lot of concerts there, which is really strange considering how the sound just didn't carry here. Maybe the acoustics weren't set up properly. That's I don't probably,
2: know. Probably, yeah, that's probably exactly what it is. The, there's the because unless there's um, sound, you know, unless you have microphones, um, and speakers, it's not, nothing's going to, you're not going to hear anything. And that's probably why they, did, they didn't have any speakers set up or anything. Yeah, That's why I, you didn't hear anything. It's very you could possible. Hear. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, if I, just going back and look over and over, over my pictures, um, there wasn't mm-hmm. a whole lot of acoustics in the building, from what I can uh-huh. tell, either.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, but the stage setup was really cool. They had gears everywhere, kind of moving. Yeah, the I lights saw were that. really neat. Yeah, that the, was really the, cool. There was a long ramp that was the uh, the lev- level with the ring all the way down, a uh-huh, la Clash of Champions, that. WCW from the eighties and nineties. Uh huh. Um, so that was really cool. They they it was a cool setup and unique for the pay per view. I quite like that. Yeah. But as for the matches themselves, uh, I don't was know it if a you good watched. Crowd? It was a good crowd, just couldn't hear them. Yeah. I could see them reacting and yeah. kind of hear them, but it wasn't as loud as it should have been.
2: Mm-hmm. because it As doesn't... loud as it's been.
0: As loud as it's been, too, yeah. yes.
2: In the other places, you, you, you hear a lot of the audience and stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The first match of full gear was dr brit baker d m d defeating B Priestley in just under twelve minutes uh it was announced via social media that Baker was to be wrestling with the flu, so she still went out there gotta uh-huh. suck wrestling someone with the flu as well as uh-huh. having the flu uh but it definitely made me view the match totally different since it wasn't all that good, yeah. Uh, Post match, Brandy Rhodes dressed as a kind of circus ringmaster. That's what she looks like. Uh, she accompanies Awesome Kong to the ring. Big black chick uh, attacks B Priestley and cuts some of her hair off. Sniffs it and puts it in her belt as like a trophy. Uh huh. Where's this leading?
2: Hmm. Kind of weird
0: she attacked Priestley of all people instead of Britt Baker, but right. It's kind of nitpicking at that point. Who well, she attacked?
2: You know, Bert Baker didn't want her extensions cut. Maybe.
0: Eh, well, I have a feeling a lot of women's extensions are going to be cut <laughs> in the future.
2: Uh, so that was on the dark side. Right? That
0: was on what they call the buy-in, which you can see on YouTube for free. It was oh. the quote-unquote first match of the show to get us kicked off. Uh huh. Um, which is okay. They had plenty of time. Uh, to go. It definitely wasn't the the. Was it the shortest match on the show? It might have been.
2: Uh huh.
0: But anyways, it wasn't all that great in the first place. Uh huh. That's okay. Definitely uh under underwhelmed me, from what I was expecting.
2: Uh huh.
0: Yeah. Then we had the young bucks against proud and power powerful. What'd you think?
2: Santana and Ortiz. Yes. That's their their underscore uh, Proud and Powerful.
0: Their underscore? Yes, that their nickname. Their tag team name is the Proud and Powerful. <laughs> PNP, oh if you will.
2: <laughs> PP.
0: <laughs> yes, PP. Well. Well, PP's private party. This is PNP.
2: <laughs> to me it was a shocking win.
0: Why was it shocking?
2: Because I thought the Young Bucks should have won. Again, the the ones that I feel are the most dominant and, and they're showing the the most against their opponents, they end up losing. I'm like, what the hell? The, and what's with the nail back scratch? I've been seeing that lately. What the? What? The guys don't even have any nails.
0: Oh, you don't know that they could—they could not cut him for a few days, and the kitty likes to scratch, kind of thing.
2: Oh, come on! That's like, what is that? Well, no. his
0: nickname is the Funky Monkey, Ortiz, <laughs> and the monkey likes
2: to scratch. He's crazy. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, well, eh. no, no, no. Um. I like the final with the Rock and Roll Express showing some moves.
0: Yes.
1: Post-match to
0: save the Young Bucks from getting beaten down further from Proud and Powerful. Yeah. Uh, The Rock and Roll Express hit the ring. They jumped the barrier because they were watching ringside. Ricky Morton delivers a Canadian Destroyer and then Tope to the outside. This is one of the more audible moments in the entire night where the entire arena erupts simultaneously. Right. You can definitely hear this one. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was a good one.
0: Cool thing. Nice, simple match. I don't think the rivalry is over. By any stretch. Uh, Yeah, no. Match went 21 minutes to start the show.
2: Wow. It was a 30-minute match.
0: Well, 30-minute time limit.
2: Yeah, 30-minute time limit. Yeah. So I I I got a new name for Hangman Page.
0: Okay, well, he is the, in the next match against Pac.
2: <laughs> the Bastard.
0: The Bastard Pac, yes.
2: I need Hang Hangman Page to be called the Rhinestone Cowboy.
0: <laughs> the Rhinestone? Oh, because his bez- bedazzled butt?
2: Yes. <laughs> That's just too funny.
0: It was It was quite distracting, and we all made fun of it in the crowd, too.
2: <laughs> oh, like, Really?
0: Yeah, we're all like, I can't look away from his bedazzled butt.
2: <laughs> well, see? Then it got me, too, because I the called him the Rhinestone Cowboy. cowboy.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> what did you think of uh, Rhinestone Cowboy against the Slimy Bastard? I, thought
2: it, I actually thought it was a good match. Um, I'm, uh, I'm kind of concerned that um, Hangman P- Page, I thought... Um, Maybe, uh, got some th- his thumb hurt somehow from uh the chair slam, possible Pat. because yeah, um, there was a big
0: uh, brain buster in the corner on a chair that scared the hell out of all of us in the, in the live crowd, yeah,
2: yeah. And I and Quite the spot H- hangman page was uh really um holding his thumb there the whole rest of the time, so I'm thinking that there was some damage on his thumb. I have Quite possible. I haven't have heard to look anything. At that. Yeah. But well, uh, rhinestone cowboy.
0: <laughs> I enjoyed the match. The crowd was chanting cowboy shit like the whole time. Uh-huh. Uh huh. There was even at one time people chanting uh bastard shit, which is kind of funny.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but Treat. uh. Oh, bastard shite would be British, and that would be better. Yes. They should have been chanting that. Ah! Yeah. What a missed opportunity.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, I thought there wasn't (laughs) enough cowboy shit brought to this match. I don't think Paige brought his A-game despite him winning.
2: No, I don't think so either. I mean, it was a good match and everything. Um, It was entertaining. Yeah, yeah, it was entertaining. It was all right. But I like the runstone cowboy.
0: Sean Spears defeats Joey Janela in an 11 minute 42 second match. It was nothing special. Uh the no. high point was Sean Spears tying Joey Janela's hair uh to the oh, ring yeah. rope. Oh yeah,
2: and it's hanging.
0: It's <laughs> hanging and, and then uh you know Janella <laughs> makes his comeback. Um, there's a what do you do like on un- Take off the turnbuckle or something or grab a chair or something. Ref's distracted. Tully Blanchard assists a spike pile driver with Sean Spears. Helps
2: for the cheater to win.
0: Helps for the cheater to win. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. AEW World Tag Team Title three-way match. Here's our triple threat. SCU Mm -hmm. defeats the Lucha Brothers and Private Party. Yeah. Do I have how long this match went? I should. Thirteen only thirteen minutes and seven seconds. It not was very pretty, long yeah,
2: at not, uh, It was pretty quick too.
0: Very short. Was not expecting that. It just kind of just just when it felt like we were all getting into the swing of things, it just kind of ends.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Post match, the Lucha Brothers. Well, Friday. it was
2: supposed to be sixty minutes too.
0: Well, no, it's just sixty it was, minutes time limit. They can't go over that. They right,
2: can, but they're giving them enough time, you know, to. Do something. You've got all these people, and then it ends up. How many minutes? Thirteen. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah,
0: it's quite short. Hmm. Yeah, maybe put some, get some time hmm. away from that Spears Janela match, or maybe just don't have that match on the pay per view at all.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Especially from what we saw, uh, well, the following Wednesday that they're mm-hmm. going to continue that.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of,
0: what was the point then? Situation.
1: Mm-hmm. So they could
0: added more to the uh, triple threat match here. But the Lucha Bros go for a beating on SCU pri- uh, after the match, and um, a another Pentagon Jr. comes out. They do the whole, like, in a mirror thing. They mirror each other. Uh, then the other Pentagon takes out Pentagon Jr. using Christopher Daniels' moves. Uh, at least my section, we all knew who it was. Takes the mask off. Yes, it's Christopher Daniels, the guy who Pentagon Jr. Uh, took out of the tag team tournament. He's got the face paint on. He's real wild. So I'm <laughs> hoping... Yeah. I'm hoping the fu- the next time we see Pentagon Jr. on Dynamite, uh, Christopher Daniels isn't done with him because he took away his tag title opportunity. Despite SCU winning, it is not Christopher Daniels who is the tag champion. So I'm hoping they... Follow it up with a singles feud, Pentagon wow. and and Daniels. I think that'd be really uh-huh. fun to watch. If uh-huh. they don't, well, then I guess it just ends here. Ah. Uh-huh. I think he should have interfered in the match. What about you? Instead of showing up afterwards.
2: I uh, uh, yeah, that would have yeah, that would have made more sense.
0: They're about you know? to like take someone out real bad, and right, he saves right. his buddy because there's no disqualification anyways.
2: Right. He could have done anything. He could have yeah. done something with the mask on and then take it off. Well, you know, they don't ask us for the writing. So, you know, maybe, maybe we should put it out there.
0: Oh, well, <laughs> now you're sounding like a true wrestling podcaster. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Riho versus Emmy Sakura, teacher versus student. Thank God they showed the short video prior. The, and I will tell you personally yeah, yeah. the audience immediately cared so much more about this match because when it first came on and the music right right before the the uh, the video happened uh there was a few people at least in my immediate section that were about to leave and then when that video started playing and people started like talking about it they immediately yeah. sat back down uh-huh. and every, and they stayed and people were uh-huh. talking about it they were impressed they're like oh my god Emmy soccer is 46. She, right. They they thought she was like in her mid twenties. No, she's actually and...
2: 43.
0: forty three. Oh, I thought she was forty three. Forty six. No. I thought okay, forty three. Twenty six years. Twenty four. Right. Uh, eh. Emmy soccer's got like twenty six years experience. Um, it shows them. It shows them. Uh, Emmy's talking about you know if this was a Hollywood story, the student would win, but I'm here to you know, prove that the teacher is still better kind of situation.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it was for the championship, too. So, you know that that Rio isn't going to give it up. Oh, not necessarily. It going to win, and it didn't. What a surprise.
0: Well, uh, and if you. A
2: freaking 98 pounder. Really? <laughs> I mean, come on. Give me a break.
0: Well, the video that they showed was quite nice. It showed them in uh, Gato Move, which is the little Thailand promotion where it shows them like in a classroom wrestling. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: that That's that's where they make their money. They wrestle. They've had like 200 matches with each other. Uh, they mentioned that they're 2-2 two and two in title matches against each other. They're totally even. Uh, so this was a major misstep to building the women's division right here. Uh, not building this up more since it was so easily done. Mm-hmm. Uh, But nonetheless, it was a 13-minute match. The crowd ended up loving it.
1: Mm -hmm. It
0: mimicked kind of uh, their 1v1 from the tag match the the week before. And Mm -hmm. Riho Mm -hmm. wins. Very good. Surprise! Now, did you actually (laughs) like this match? It was a women's match with two veterans. Did you like it?
2: I would have liked it more if Sakura won.
0: Oh, okay.
2: I'm I'm just against Riho. I just don't... I'm not feeling Riho. I can't feel Riho. I don't think she's even belongs in wrestling. She's a ninety eight pound piece of wood. I just don't like her <laughs> and, <laughs> she needs and, she needs steroids. Oh my God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and people I mean, were clamoring for me to ask you to get on to get back on team Riho, and I'm like, no. I will Think not ask it. her.
1: <laughs> I don't Think care if you're it. my mom. You are not allowed
0: on the team. <laughs> Listen Thank to you, you talk now. Just Thank further you. amplifies how much you were not on Team Riho.
2: I, I look at all the other women wrestlers, and they've got meat, they've got power, they've got, they've got moves. Riho is like a freaking... She reminds me of a rag doll. And anybody can throw her up against something. And for her to win against these strong women, it's 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 just to me, it's it's a sham against the women that truly are wrestlers.
0: A sham?
2: It's a sham.
0: I can't believe you call it a sham. <laughs> that is such 1950s of you. This is a sham, a
2: hoopla. <laughs> <laughs> Riho will never ever get my Backing,
0: Ooh, harsh never. words. Never. I would she, never say. Would I would to, never say would such negative to, things about. She would her. have
2: to build some arm muscle. <laughs> Ooh. She has no muscles.
0: Chris Jericho versus Cody for the AEW World Title.
2: Lame. Excuse lame. me. It
0: was lame. Why was it lame? It
2: was lame. Chris
0: Jericho comes to the ring with Jake Hagar, his big muscle. Cody comes to the ring with his best friend, MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman.
2: So we thought.
0: Oh, we thought they were best friends.
2: So we thought.
0: So why was this match lame?
2: First of all, Jericho's an ass, and (laughs) he's not going to give up anything. And for anybody to... Beat Jericho is, I will be amazed, because he's it, it, everything's wrapped around Jericho, 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 everything's Jericho.
0: Well, he's okay. le champion.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, what you know, I just, uh, eh. eh, I don't. Okay, I, I'm not let me ta- it. let
0: me let me take us through the match then go ahead. Uh, pretty much 50-50. They're feeling each other out at first. Afraid to make a mistake. It has a big match feel. Uh, it had kind of a Michael Buffer entrance of the past. You remember Michael Buffer. Let's get ready to rumble, guy. Yes. Okay. Has that kind of feel to it. Yeah. Uh, then eventually, Jericho's on the ramp. Cody goes for kind of like a shoulder tackle over the top. He brains himself really hard on the ramp. Looked horrid. He busts <gasps> yeah. himself open real bad. Yeah,
1: that was pretty uh, The bad. hard
0: way. They're mm-hmm. all scared that the match was going to end. They somehow close the wound up a little bit. Jericho attacks it. Uh,
2: well, they put the, liquid, liquid band-aid on him.
0: Yeah, yeah. They... Uh, they did mention that the judges are ringside. I had a perfect vantage point of the judges not writing down anything like the entire match, so they're totally fake. I can't believe it. <laughs> Dean, Mal- the, the judges were Dean Malenko, Arn Anderson, and the great Muda, all whom have heavy connections to Cody or Chris Jericho.
1: Mm.
0: Chris Jericho giving Dean Malenko... Uh, kind of the stink eye and mm-hmm. Cody's families were also ringside. At one point, mm-hmm. Cody's mom slaps Jericho,
1: yeah, which I was like quite that. funny.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, there's some interference happening. Jake Hagar get- eventually gets ejected, uh, but not before beating up MJF. Uh, there's a huge near fall when Cody hits his finisher that the entire arena just thought that was over. That was going to be it. Cody's-, Cody's won, but Jericho kicks out. Right. Uh, and then finally, Chris Jericho does a pretty sick reversal from the from the turnbuckle, puts Cody in the walls of Jericho, the, the Boston Crab, if you will. Uh, Cody does fight out of it, but Jericho gets it right back, kicks him in the head a few times, he's in the middle of the ring, Cody just can't go anywhere. And this is when the audience sees MJF with the towel. And I'm looking in the corner just going, there's MJF. He's got a towel. Don't do it. Don't you do it, MJF. He throws the towel in. Now.
2: And I say, WTF.
0: And that's what the crowd said.
2: Mm -hmm. Crowd's
0: pissed off. I'm like shaking my head going, oh my God. You know, if you were going to do a towel finish, this should have been like, I don't know. I've seen towel finishes work. I've seen towel finishes work before, but it's usually with like a friend in dire straits. His he's like his his limb is like gonna get cut off or something wild, right? Some crazy story.
2: Yes, Cody. He wasn't in dire straits at all. Well,
0: he he was because he couldn't move and he was in the middle of the ring and he wasn't gonna tap out because the story is he'll never be able to challenge for the title again. Right. Right. Uh, so the only way Cody was going to get out of this, uh, and not get permanently hurt, you know, MJF threw in the towel for his best friend, you know, keep him, keep him healthy, fight another day, at least for something else. Uh, Jericho, Jericho celebrates the inner circle, meets him on the stage. They're popping the bubbly in celebration. And there's MJF in the middle of the ring on his knees, crying, weeping for Cody to forgive him. The crowd's chanting, you fucked up. You know, everyone's pissed. Uh, everyone's Didn't mad at MJF. did chant
2: asshole or something?
0: Well, <laughs> Cody finally gets over his anger. And because Cody's a good guy and he realizes that MJF was just looking out for him. And just, he thought. just as he puts his hand on his shoulder and forgives MJF, MJF punts him in the nuts. Pushes him down.
2: Knocks him down.
0: Crowd boos heavily. I'm going. No, he's your best friend. How could you do it? Devastating turn. Uh, MJF leaves, but not before some fans throw some beer on him. There's fan. There's other fans in the arena chucking like beer cans at the ring that don't make it. <laughs> you can see it.
2: Yeah, I saw. I saw uh, one fan. He actually nailed MJF.
0: Supposedly, they might have been plants, but that that doesn't that doesn't uh, make up for the like four or five other fans that I did see throw things at the ring right. that just didn't make it. Right. Uh, even the two fans that chucked beer, they got thrown. <laughs> they got stuff thrown at them as they were being escorted oh, out.
1: Oh, what? Wow.
0: <laughs> there was like multiple fights wow. in the arena. Like when MJF threw in the towel because they were so pissed off at the finish. So oh, wow. if. If MJF didn't kick Cody in the balls, people were gonna leave just super angry
1: mm-hmm. that
0: the towel finish happened.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I think it's I think I think the MJF turn saved it.
2: <coughs> Pardon me.
0: Nonetheless, uh, I like the match. No. But if the MJF turn did not happen, I would not have liked it as much as I did.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And Le Champion is still Le Champion. <laughs>
2: Yes, he is still a champion,
0: and Cody can never challenge challenge never for the AEW World Title again. Then we got the lights out match, the the, the no holds oh barred, God. no DQ thing, Moxley versus Omega. It goes thirty eight minutes forty six seconds of pure mayhem. What'd you think? I liked it. You liked it, but not uh, the Jericho Cody match. <laughs> this is interesting. I must hear more.
2: Well, if I would stop coughing. I got <laughs> I need water. From now on well, I need to bring water. Water I to the table. I always have
0: water next to me during a podcast.
2: Oh my god. Well, You need to tell me these things.
0: <laughs> mm. Got to keep the throat moisturized.
2: <laughs> well, um It was kind you know, <laughs> I I've I thought the board with the mouse traps was really funny. I mean, there was a lot of good stuff that, you know, they were doing. Um, the uh, the table, with them both falling onto the barbed table, barbed wire table. The barbed
0: wire spider net thing that they had on the outside <laughs> yeah. at oh the ramp. God. Yeah, it was nuts.
2: Oh, my God. And then rubbing the barbed wire on his arm. Oh, and then And then on his back and... All the glass. I'm I'm not sure that that is glass. I, I think it was like um, plexiglass, actually. Because if it were glass, they would have all that glass in their skin, and they would have to go to the hospital and get it surgically well, removed, you know, pieces taken out of their I glass. thought
0: they did something interesting <laughs> with these spots, where <clears throat> they made, they, they did um, a sort of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, a stage turn. Uh, which is, you provide the audience with something real, right? Mm-hmm. So then other spots that are technically more dangerous or could do bodily harm to mm-hmm. you even more so mm-hmm. are the fake ones. So you mm-hmm. the audience is now primed to believe everything else is real.
1: Uh-huh. So
0: they do the broom spots with the barbed wire mm-hmm. and cut r- cut their skin for real... So Mm -hmm. then when they do the pulverized plexiglass or pulverized quartz or whatever, the Mm -hmm. quote unquote glass is when, and I really like this, uh, Kenny Omega has the sharpshooter in Moxley and Uh over the the glass and Moxley has to crawl through the glass, get to the ropes and leverage himself up to get out of it. Right. You know, it, it was it was it was a good little spot for toughness. Yeah, and as you say, I don't think it was real too, but the audience thought it was real, yeah. and I thought that was a really cool spot. Same yeah, thing was. with the same good. thing with the barbed wire <laughs> spider net thing. A lot of the barbs were probably cut away because if if it was real barbed, I've been do oh, I've seen barbed God, wire no, matches. Yeah, you know, your hair gets stuck in there. Oh, they have to oh. cut them away. Oh yeah, they just kind of rolled out of it. So I'm
2: <clears> because so, here's a here's the thing too. And this was what I was watching also, was the people tr- helping them out. And their arms are not getting any blood exposed.
0: Right. So every all those spots yeah. that were used <clears throat> prior was to set up to make you think a lot of these more dangerous spots were real. Right. Which is, which is a really cool turn ahead. Yeah. You know? Look yeah. at the look at the left hand as I move the right situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the the audience was just like, holy shit, everything right? Right. Uh, so it was it was
2: because honestly, if they went and f- they both fell on that barbed wire, oh my god, there would be emergency crews. <laughs> <Are you kidding laughs> yeah, this,
0: this, this yeah, this isn't the ECW yeah. uh, like late '90s thing where. <laughs> People are getting chucked through big glass.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. That would have been, I'm, you know.
0: I'm I mean, shocked you like this
2: match. You still can't. Well, it was a lot of action. Um, you still can do damage with sure. the little part that you have. I mean, that was obvious. <clears throat> but, um, you know, when, when uh, was it um, Moxley... Moxley uh, taking Omega's head and then and then taking a piece of of glass and like cutting it across his forehead, you know.
0: Well, see, I think that one piece was real to make you to make you believe the rest of it was real, right? Right. Yeah.
2: Right, right. But there, there's, there's. I mean, honestly, he didn't actually do it. He made he he did his finger over it because there was nothing that was on his forehead. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah, because I was watching that, I go, oh shit, you know, oh my god, and then and I saw there was nothing there, so he actually just made it look like he was doing it, but he wasn't doing it.
0: My other favorite spot in this match was uh, there was a full gear kind of sphere symbol. Uh, on the stage, and mm-hmm. Omega has, or uh, Moxley's like kind of next, or yeah, like directly in front of it, and then Omega pump knees him through uh, the AEW symbol, full gear symbol oh, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm like all set up, I'm <laughs> like, oh my god, he's going through it, he's going through it! Yeah. Kicks him, goes right, they both disappear, yeah. from my view, they just disappear, Yeah. and it was oh, all such a cool, it was a, such a cool thing, they get back yeah. in the ring, Eventually, Moxley uh, takes apart the ring to expose just the wooden boards. Oh, yeah, Uh, that was great. (laughs) Omega does a Phoenix splash, of all things, uh, Mm -hmm. onto the boards, what looks like it just sucked to land on. He'll be bruised. And then Mm -hmm. Moxley uh, uh, DDTs him onto it and gets the win. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everyone in the audience was like super scared we were going to get stuck in downtown Baltimore uh, because everything closed at midnight. I got there like a minute before the garage closed. <laughs> I just got out of there in time. Oh my gosh! Uh, but this <laughs> match was very polarizing. A lot of people uh, either liked it or they vastly disliked it
2: uh-huh.
0: uh, because of the the quote unquote brutality of it all. Oh. They're like, well, "Oh, I like what you?" They, it was all. It was the whole kind of "oh, I like what you like" kind of excuse. Oh, it's not my thing. Uh, I,
2: I, I don't. Know. Well, uh, you I, I know, hate, I, I hate that I, reasoning. <laughs> I liked it maybe I, like, I was in the mood for brutality that day well
0: maybe a, maybe after watching Jimmy Havoc razor wire people in MLW you're just yeah. like this pussy shit <laughs> yeah
2: right <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm glad Moxley won cause it, it, at least he he deserved to win you know all so. of the
0: elite lost this night must, uh, <clears throat> must add that whole group lost well no hangman page won Of all people. Mm. The only exception.
2: Mm. Rhinestone Cowboy.
0: Rhinestone Cowboy 1. (laughs) And that'll bring us into last Wednesday, and we'll just go through this really quick. We're going a little bit long here. I hear ya. Uh, AEW episode 7, November 13th, 2019, from Nashville, where real cowboy shit happens. Am I right? (laughs) Giddy up. Uh, Nice recap of what went down at Full Gear. Which, by the way, did you like Full Gear? Top to bottom.
2: I did. I thought it was entertaining. Um, it kept it kept me watching.
0: And your favorite match was
2: my favorite. Well, my favorite match was the last one with the the barbed wire stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I'll just have to tell everyone on Twitter that my mom uh, really liked the hardcore match. I guess uh, you guys just aren't uh, aren't as uh hip hip to the. Uh... Hip on the... Man. Hip to the pain. Hip
2: to the pain. Hip to
0: the pain. Yeah, all right. Hip, it, pain. Got it,
2: got it. hip
0: pain. <laughs> we all know something about hip pain in our mm-hmm. older years. Uh, so then we cut to Omega being checked up uh, checked up on by a doctor whom tells Omega ah, it's best you take, the, take a week off uh, due to his body all beat up from Moxley.
2: He's got mm-hmm. a huge
0: black eye. Scars all over his back. Yeah,
2: that was bullshit.
0: <laughs> and... Um, before Omega leaves, he asks like the doc. That guy was
2: so fake.
0: Mother, it was it was totally super real.
2: <laughs> it was so fake. They could have done a better job on that.
0: Well, maybe maybe Moxley should have hit him harder. So, uh so before Omega leaves, he asks the doc, how'd Moxley make out? And doc says, well, he's he is beat up, but uh he's cleared.
1: He's cleared to wrestle. And
0: Omega looks at his friend Nakazawa just totally devastated. Didn't get the job done kind of deal.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and that cuts to the first match. Omega's friend Nakazawa against John Moxley.
2: It, it was a quick match, but it was crazy fun.
0: So Nakazawa, known for his baby oil, uh, throws his baby <laughs> oil away because this is going to be a serious fight on behalf of his friend.
2: Oh, God.
0: John Moxley <laughs> makes quick quick work at him then he cuts a promo calling out the entire locker room says nobody has the balls to face him <laughs> but if you do then kiss your family goodbye have the ambulance on speed dial and don't expect an apology so there you go dark order against Jurassic Express I thought this was a fun match. The little dudes are super over with the crowd.
2: Oh my god, Jungle Children!
0: <laughs> jungle Children?
2: Yes, that was so ridiculous. It was just goofy, miss size matching on that. That was just yeah, Jungle Children. That's what I call them. Jungle. Well, children.
0: the Jungle Children did lose Evil Uno post match. Yeah,
2: surprise. With,
0: Dark with, uh... Order,
2: the Minions. Yeah, hello. It's like a. Brutasaurus comes out
0: Luchas- Luchasaurus
2: Oh I call him Brutasaurus Brutasaurus
0: Where'd you get that name?
2: That's what I thought he said
0: mm. Oh I forgot to ask What? Uh, So you've known MJF As Cody's friend for mm, Six weeks Right? Yeah. Uh, do you think he turned on his friend too early? Do you think enough time had passed for, for you to, to feel betrayed? Or did you just expect it to happen at some point?
2: I I didn't expect it to happen at all. Other, other than um, possibly MJF is joining AEW and he's getting out of MLW.
0: Well, I mean, that's already...
2: That's True. already been determined.
0: Well, he's he's got kind of a double contract going. I see. Uh, so. Uh, okay. So you uh, you were shocked by it. What about um the Moxley Omega? Do you think enough time had passed to uh, justify such a brutal match? What do you mean? Well, a lot of people were criticizing the match, saying that the rivalry was not built up enough.
2: Well, I'm 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 stymied as to the question.
0: So Omega Moxley have this hard, the super hardcore match to kind of end their rivalry of sorts, right? Okay. Uh, it's super brutal. Do you think this is too early for them? Should they have had a regular match first and then fight some more and then no. build up
2: to this level no. of match? No, I think this was I I thought that was perfect timing.
1: Okay. I there. thought it was
2: a, it was a perfect timing because Moxley needed to move on, and that uh, that that whole little game that was going on needed to be moved on.
0: Okay, I agree.
2: And he, he took care of it, and Mox is going moving on.
0: He's moving on. Mm-hmm. So back to the Dark Order and uh, the Jungle Children, <laughs> as you call them. Uh, Evil Uno <laughs> is looking at a uh, little Marco stunt uh, after the match, and. Evil Uno with the minions offers up a mask for little Marco to join. And Marco starts to reach for it. Oh, but right. yeah. Jungle Boy stops him from taking the mask, gives him a dinosaur silly. mask and said, he already has a mask. Dark Order goes, I understand. Now get him. So all the minions beat him down. Uh, it doesn't look like it's a it's a big beatdown, but then Luchasaurus comes. And he goes full Steven Seagal on all the minions and saves his buddies.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Big, big pop from the crowd. <laughs> you like Luchasaurus?
2: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> you do?
2: I just called him Brutasaurus. Okay. I like, I like that name better. Well, maybe there needs to be somebody called Brutasaurus. Um,
0: uh, no. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> I, I don't think. so. Anyways, Darby <laughs> Allen defeats Peter Avalon and Sean Spears <laughs> in a triple threat. Uh, Janella does show up and take Spears out of the out of the match, essentially. So that's continuing. That's kind of where, uh, where I get the whole idea. What was the point of the pay per view match then? And then after so the Darby match, Darby
2: Allen's going after Moxley now. Yes, it's after the match, be, mm, Darby
0: Allen says, "I accept mm, to Moxley."
2: Mm-hmm. I like Darby Allen though. I think he has got uh, he's he's got good moves. He's quick. He's fast. I like him.
0: There you go. Nyla Rose squashes Danny Jordan. Surprise that. on that one. Uh is doing an inter- interview, and she gets attacked oh, by Awesome Kong I, I and Brandy.
2: I want to know what happens when she breaks a nail. Does she call 911? Who? Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose? <laughs> did you see her nails? Jeez Louise. I
0: She's did not. She's a beast. <laughs> well, that is her nickname.
2: <laughs> She's a beast? Beast? Yeah, she's the um, Nyla Rose, be- the Beast.
0: The Native Beast is her name. Oh wow! Yes,
2: well, she's her she's finisher
0: good. is the Beast Bomb, I believe, is what it's called.
2: Oh wow! Okay, well, yeah. she is a beast.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> she's got some she's, badass uh, she's, nails.
0: She's a uh, Native American as well.
2: Wow. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. And Kong. that was a fair match. That's what I'm uh, talking about.
0: <laughs> that's what Yay. you want to see.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You know, the that was a fair, matched-up women wrestling.
0: Okay. <laughs> awesome Kong attacks Allie, takes some of her hair. Cool?
2: Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm quite afraid Awesome Kong is just going to get a title match against Riho and kill her. I hope. I'm very... I'm very afraid of that. I don't Uh, want to see that happen. I hope. No, it's going to be terrible if that happens. You
2: know, you know what? Riho's missing a little frilly underwear under her little shirt. She's got like
0: a tutu on
2: under her skirt. She needs like, like, what, what, uh, what babies wear when you when uh, you have a diaper? Yeah. (laughs) What?
0: I will not take this Reho slander on this podcast. She wasn't even on the show tonight. <laughs> Man.
2: It's just my image. I, I I, just want, I just she needs some frilly underwear pants, you know? Your Reho hate is, uh, is reaching new but, uh, bounds
0: I am not ready for. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
2: Diapers and a blankie and a baba I set her up. So oh, God, you're just, just
0: the worst. You're such a heel.
2: <laughs> I hope Jericho I, and I hope Awesome Kong annihilates her
0: Ah, uh, I don't want any of that that would be that would devastate my heart Jericho and MJF out in the ring Jericho comes out first Le he, Champion La Champion comes out first brags about his victory and then Cody Rhodes or I'm sorry the American Nightmare Cody's music hits and out comes MJF instead the crowd he boos. An boos. They chant asshole. An
2: "asshole." yeah. <laughs> they hate him. Uh-huh. Jericho,
0: Jericho gives him the floor because MJF says he has to get stuff off his chest. He proceeds to bury Cody. Says Cody doesn't actually care about you. Cody was holding him back this whole time. He used him. He abused him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then him and Jericho stand off against each other.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: MJF says, "Christopher." I'm a big fan. If there was a Mount Rushmore of wrestlers, he'd be 3 or 4. And Jericho some some reason takes this as a compliment.
2: <laughs> so, who is Warlow?
0: Wardlow. Wardlow? We'll get we'll get to that in a second. Okay. Because Chris Jericho and MJF, uh, they they they're jacking at each other. M.J.F. goes, ah, I think, I, I think you want me in, in, in a part of your inner jer- inner circle, jerk. Ah, Freudian slip, Freudian slip. Yeah. Jer- Jericho makes fun of M.J.F. right back, and he goes, Well, it's almost. I see a lot of you, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of you and, or a lot of me and you. You, uh, we're both uh, ruggedly handsome. We're both great talkers. We're both incredibly uh, talented <laughs> in the ring. But it's almost like your parents watched watched me 25 years ago in WCW facing off against Juventude Guerrera, and then nine months later, you popped out. MJF
2: and he says Who's Hoover?
0: Who's Hoovy? And he just puts his hand on his sho- right. shoulder. Google it, man. Google it. <laughs> MJF and and Jericho refuse to uh, admit uh, whom wants whom in the inner circle. They have a little back and forth, right. uh, kind of like a who's on first moment. Right and uh, it it ends up leading to but but we can agree on one thing, who's the biggest loser in AEW? And they both go Cody. Ah, <laughs> they cackle like the couple of bad guys they are. Mm-hmm. And out comes Cody. He's pissed. Uh, he loses his balance because he's so injured and his equilibrium's all off. Says the commentary. Uh, he gets beaten down. But just as he's coming back, Wardlow shows up. And takes out Cody, hangs him with his tie uh, from the rope, and uh, he's with MJF. Oh. Wardlow and MJF are together. So kind of like Hammerstone and MJF and MLW.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. MJF has his huge muscle-bound brute with him.
1: Uh, Uh, Wardlow.
0: Because I had never seen him. No, uh, he had, like, one video vignette on, like, the first episode of Dynamite that you could have easily forgotten in between now and then.
1: hmm
0: uh, so big surprise he's showing up, and I truly believe in my gut that Sean Spears and Tully are going to join MJF and be in his group.
2: Really? Hmm.
0: I think, uh, it would benefit the whole group that they get some more members
2: mm-hmm. to go
0: against the Inner Circle and the Elite, uh... And it just makes sense. Oh, oh, I have no uh-huh, uh-huh. I have no evidence to base any of this. It's just my gut feeling.
2: Uh-huh. So you're thinking MJF being the asshole he is is going to, like Jericho, he's going to have his own little uh, group. group.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what I think.
2: So what? It's going to be Dark Order against Jericho against MJF.
0: <laughs> Dark Order? You mean the Elite?
2: dark order with the minions
0: i mean they're their own little tag team thing they don't mm-hmm. have a oh, big okay. group or anything so.
2: ah, okay
0: uh pack and adam page have another match for some reason and this time pack wins I thought which that was... was weird i thought it was weird too
2: uh, yeah
0: my only i mean they do a lot okay uh they must be doing an old best of seven thing Because they keep trading wins at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're also trading moves and sequences that have finished previous matches. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if they Mm -hmm. will truly follow up with any of this. But I find it hard to imagine uh, a winner not coming out with a title shot at this point. Mm -hmm. Between these two guys. Mm -hmm. I just don't know why Paige lost after immediately winning a pay-per-view match. just feels really strange. You agree with this?
2: Right. I mean, it was a good match, but... Yeah, I, it, no doubt
0: bad. You know, yeah. It wasn't good. or uh, It wasn't bad, that's for right.
2: sure. Right, right. Well, I like your theory. Uh,
0: yeah. Young Bucks, uh, Santana Ortiz are brawling backstage. There's a really funny spot where uh, Santana throws, I believe it's Nick Jackson, into the bathroom door, and there was Orange Cassidy hanging out just when the bathroom oh, door that opens. that was funny.
2: Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> kind of looks
0: around, closes it really slowly, like, that was weird. Uh, They eventually keep brawling. You can see in the background that Moxley is just kind of hanging out, which I thought was funny uh, as well. Um, And then they mimic the spot where they threw the Rock and Roll Express through the stage. They do the same thing to Matt Jackson. Uh, So that makes sense why no one came out and saved Cody when he's getting beaten down. Mm -hmm. It's because Omega's got the night off. And the young bucks were fighting backstage, so it makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. And then announced on social media uh, prior to this dynamite, uh, Jericho called for a tag team title match because him and Guevara were the only undefeated tag team in AEW <laughs> <laughs> uh, outside of the tag champions. So he demanded uh, to be the opportunity of double la champion mm-hmm. with Sammy Guevara. They do a uh, so they come out, they do a funky little pose. Mm -hmm. Of Sammy laying down on his side, and Jericho's got his elbow in it. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, the uh, the commentary was very adamant about calling Guevara the Spanish God, (laughs) which I'm really getting a kick out of. Mm
1: -hmm. He's the
0: best ever, and he's never he's won like one match, right? (laughs) Yeah,
2: right. I've only seen him. I've only seen him uh, in a match once. (laughs) What the hell?
0: Um. But it was a good match, and in the end, Scorpio Sky yet again wins off a small package and pins Le Champion.
1: Uh,
0: of all I like that. Chris Jericho has a fit afterwards. He oh, is not old. happy.
2: No, he was very pissed. Yay.
0: So there we go. I went through that episode of Dynamite quite fast. Got got my got my quips in. Uh, what did you think over this episode of Dynamite after Full Gear. Do you have any theories going on? Any oh, any I, opinions? I, any uh, negatives? Uh, positives?
2: No, I just like Darby Allen. actually. I think I think he's going to be doing some stuff here. So you're Especially, excited for the Moxley match
0: next yeah, Wednesday?
2: Yeah, I, I am. I am or excited this Wednesday. for that. Yeah, for this Wednesday. Yeah. I think it'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. All right. I want to see more Darby Allen, actually.
0: <clears throat> so we have a question for you to end this cast uh, for okay. you and me, um, or particularly for you. Oh God! If AEW were to introduce another title, who do you think should be the first champion? So think of like the middleweight championship. You know, it's not the main title. It's it's a uh, the 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 second one, if mm-hmm. you will. Think of the like, Intercontinental Championship. Mm-hmm. Who should be that champion?
1: Hmm.
2: <clears throat> it's it's a question between Rhinestone Cowboy <laughs> and possibly Darby Allen.
0: I like that. You don't think you don't you don't think um Hangman Page should be going for the world title though?
2: Mm. I think he could build up to it.
0: Ah. So he's so he's losing against Pac. This this other title comes in, he wins that and kind of mm-hmm. builds his credibility back. hmm Darby Allen's kind of perfect for him kind of situation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I could feel that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You don't think Riho should win that title? Get a second title around her? <laughs> she ain't gonna win shit. <laughs> Ninety-eight pounds of fury.
2: Oh God! <laughs> she better not be by bad wind.
1: <laughs> she'll
2: be, she'll be, she'll be like that. the The tornado picks her up and throws her into some other other state.
1: Hmm.
0: And then we have another question for you. All right. Whom have we not seen enough of on AEW Dynamite?
2: Whom have we not seen enough of?
0: Like, who would you mm-hmm. like to see more of?
2: Um...
0: Or someone you haven't seen at all?
2: Well, I I do like uh, Scorpio Sky, but... Um, Hmm.
0: Thinking, thinking, thinking. Thinking,
2: thinking, thinking. Um. It, does it have to be just a person, or can it be the team? Or can it can it be a be... team? Tag uh, teams count. Um. I would like to see more. I would like to see more Scorpio Sky. SEO. Uh-huh. Um, I'm I'm not familiar very much with the, the Santana Ortiz group. I haven't seen them very much.
0: Well, they're pretty new. I mean, they they've been on the show just about every show since they showed up. Mm-hmm. In well, some form or fashion.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, they've only had the one match on Dynamite, I believe, and that yeah. was that like two minute one.
2: Yeah. So. <clears throat> Um, private party is kind of fun too, but we see a lot of them. Um, but of, of those, I I'd like to see more SCU and, and possibly Santana Ortiz cause I, I really haven't, I'm not familiar with them. I haven't seen them very much. And I've only seen SCU, um, a, a couple of times. Well, you saw him in
0: the tag title tournament, and right. now you've seen him here. Right. They've been on every show just about. But, you, yeah, but- Scorpio Sky, you want to see more? Yeah. Specifically uh, more of. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, it's funny you mention that because uh, in August when um, they had a pay per view, this is before when Dynamite. St- this is before Dynamite started, and mm-hmm. Chris Jericho first won the title. And he's going backstage. This is where the whole bubbly thing came from. Mm-hmm. He's going back to celebrate with a little bit of the bubbly. He's mm-hmm. he's he's just got a microphone. He's just yelling at people. Just going, I'm le champion. You suck, Scorpio. And he said, and he as he's passing the hallway, he says, Scorpio Sky, you'll never get a shot at this. This is from like three and a half months ago. Okay. So it's a little, uh, just a nice little quip from the past that they ah, kind of touched okay. on. It's like uh-huh. ah. I guess uh-huh. everything happens for a reason. You just, right. you, you even the little things, you just don't even notice it. Right. Yeah. I really like the tag title champions won the tag match, even though the world champion was in it. Right. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to me that the that the team that's the best at tag team wrestling mm-hmm. won the tag match. Right. 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 Yeah. For sure, so I think Scor- i think Scorpio Sky is going to get a title shot against Chris Jericho.
2: That would be good. That would be he a good. He did pin one. him, after all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see right. that.
0: Yep. So now's the million-dollar question. What? I think the—I think the—I think the—the uh, the favorite is AEW. This cast. I mean, it was three to one this time, much like MLW was three to two last time, I believe. Mm-hmm. But. You still picked AEW last time. What is the show you like the most this time? AEW or MLW? Uh
2: I liked I, I like I really enjoyed Full Gear. I thought there was a lot of action especially with the the barbed wire thing. It wasn't uh-huh. so bloody. Um but it was entertaining. I thought Full Gear was uh, very entertaining. Mhm. I take AEW mm-hmm. this time.
0: Aew, so it's two to two, MLW to Aew. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And who was your favorite wrestler for the cast?
2: So my favorite wrestler, Mind um, Stone Cowboy. (laughs) No, actually, it's Darby Allen.
0: Darby Allen, growing on the mama. Mm -hmm.
2: You
0: got a new wrestler like every week, it seems. (laughs) Writing all these down. Okay. So far, Jacob Fatu is the only one that's put won a, twice. I
2: even put a star by Darby this time. Ooh, because I—I just... wasn't even a
0: big focal point either.
2: And he wasn't, and and I've seen him before, and I remember him by his moves, and and I really, I just think he's got—he's um, very quick, he's fast, he's—and I like—I I think he's got great moves. I think he—he's. Uh, He's going to be somebody to reckon with later on.
0: There you go. You've seen him live before too as well.
2: Mm-hmm. I like him.
0: Well, thank you, Mother, for another amazing episode. I look forward to talking to you. Uh, well, well, shit, we'll do the podcast together live. next time. Live.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Looking forward to it. I had a good time. Thank you for having me. Love you, Mom. Love you too. Bye.
0: Welcome back, everybody. It is time for the All Japan Women Classics from Peroso Dream and Samurai TV. We are up to episode seven. Moving right along. Uh, and this particular classics episode from the All Japan Women was from 1985, the August 22nd show, AJW Summer Night Festival in Budokan. Venue, Nippon Budokan. Um Got the whole card, besides the dark match. And what a card this was. This was, like... When you look at Stardom and you see, like, a Corken Hall show... Or uh, a big Shinkiba show, Nagoya... You know, whatever, wherever it might be. Uh, this is the kind of card you will see. Uh, with the exception of... In Stardom, you get a lot of tags and, and trios matches. Uh, in this case... Uh, we got... A big-time tag match, two big singles matches, and uh, an undercard match. So, a lot to compare there. You can definitely see it. And what we got uh, to start off was a singles match between Monster Ripper, her fabled return, versus Yukari Omori, one half of the Dynamite Girls. Uh, Pretty straightforward match. Omori gets a Boston Crab in early, but ultimately Monster Ripper just crushes her. Big leg drop to the back of her head looked devastating. A big running splash just kind of falls on her and locks in. I think it was a Kimura lock of some kind. It was kind of hard to tell from the camera angle. Uh, taps her out. I was really hoping for more of a showcase from Ripper here since I haven't seen her in a while. But oh well. Uh, she just has that big ass presence to her. I'm looking. I, I really want to see more Monster Ripper. She She's a big standout uh, for me. Uh, going through these AJW Classics, I don't think she gets a lot of a lot of talk compared to a lot of the other star power of the All Japan Women of the past. Uh, moving on, there was a tag team match of Dump Matsumoto and Bull Nakano, full member of Gokaku Dome now. Versus Norio Tateno and Itsuki Yamazaki, the Jumping Bomb Angels. So here I'm thinking, man, this is going to be a good match. Oh, it's going to be cool. This turned out to be utter destruction of the Jumping Bomb Angels. So unexpected. I can totally see why this was. This is uh, on the full classic card. Uh, because Gokaku Dome just takes it to the outside, beats the shit out of them. They get a double count out for the first fall. And uh, based on the... Uh, all the other tag matches, especially with uh, uh, Matsumoto and crew going up against the uh, the Crush Gals, it was always like they one would get a fall, then they'd trade, and then the third one, the baby faces would win every time. This case, it goes to that double countout, and I'm like, what is going to happen? That means the next fall wins, basically. Uh, Yamazaki tried to get some sort of uh, momentum for a team, but goddamn Dome kept interfering. Those heels, those bastards, uh, just just kept her out of the match. Of course, resorting to uh, a trash can by Dump Matsumoto, just isolated Titano, just hard, leading to one particular member of Dome, a young rainbow haired woman, I believe uh, to be Condor Saito. Uh, she helped interfere the most out of all the members. Including an assisted spike pile driver with Bull Nakano with dump holding their victim, and they won. Just done and over with quick. Whew. Was not expecting it. It was a different tag match that I've been clamoring for last couple episodes of All Japan Women. This was followed up with the IWA Championship, the champion devil, Masami versus Chigusa Nagayo. So this was the Crush Gals knights in singles competition. Huge entrances for both. Crowd chants Chigusa heavily as she comes out with the massive white banners, while Devil Masami is in her full purple queen demon entrance gear uh, with her assistants and crew. Felt like true stars here. It's a slower match with lots of mat work with Chigusa gaining control, as she should in this situation with her background in the way she wrestles. Masami does escape to the outside, but then Chigusa, shockingly, does a suicide dive, and the crowd ignites. Masami, with her team around here, as she swishes her mouth of blood now, and spits in the bucket, she gets a devilish smile on her face, she get, grabs a metal rod, and thinks about taking it into the ring, as she gets up on the apron. She second- she gives it second thought as Chigusa says, says in the ring, egging her on, saying like "Bring it, bitch" kind of situation. I don't know. I don't know what she was actually saying, but I'd like to think she was swearing. Uh, Masami decides to hand the rod back, and she 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 Devil Masami's character is just so good. Uh, her what she does is she her hair's like in front of her face. She just pulls it back cocks her head and she just gets this devilish looking evil look on her and from that point it turns into kind of like this shoot fight right it looked like a a a a boxing match straight out of rocky except there was also kicks involved they're just going back and they're they're kind of going in and out in and out they're floating around the ring like a butterfly uh Chigusa's given high kicks, she's fainting with the other leg, she's trying to punch her, Masami does a crazy combo at one point as she fights back and just, like, left, right, to the middle, that gets uh, Chigusa's arms down, and then she just clocks her real hard, and Chigusa falls to the mat. Just looks like a devastating combo. Uh, I can't say I've seen very many matches like this. Uh, it was so different, and they pulled it off just amazingly well. Uh, so, yeah, Masami does that crazy combo, just clocks Chigusa, busts her nose straight open, so, (laughs) actually got her, Chigusa eventually gets back up, knocks Masami down with a huge head kick after a big, faint knee, uh, but then she goes down as well, so it's kind of like a fighting spirit situation, um, she's crawling around on the ring with her legs, so her equilibrium's totally off. Masami's just knocked down. She's laying on her back. Both can't reach their feet before the 10 count. What a fun match. Uh, the match apparently went for 36 minutes in total. This particular version of the All Japan Women Classics was cut down to about half that, uh, and I felt like I didn't miss a thing, so the production was, was quite on the point with that one. So I imagine it was... It would have had a lot more character work, a lot more blocking, Um, and to my surprise, it was kind of a 50-50 of that, because I did find the full 36 minutes, I ended up watching the whole thing again, and even at 36 minutes, this match just, it was, it was, it, it felt like a kickboxing, judo, all kinds of different matches, it felt like a shoot fight, so very cool stuff, Devil Masami, hell yeah, I wanted to see more of her as well. Uh, and this was a this was a great match versus Chigos and Nagayo. And just when I was getting over my my hype for that, we got the three WA championship on the line, champion Jaguar Yakota versus Lioness Asuka. Whew. So this match goes over 20 minutes. It starts out super fast with Snapmare Bridge-up exchanges, something I've never seen before. And they regain composure and it slows down. This is where Jaguar Yakota just takes over. Leg locks, heel hooks, ankle holds. Basically just goes full Bret Hart Ric Flair over Asuka. I like watching Asuka. I do. Linus Asuka is great. I know she's good, but man, watching this, Jaguar Yakota is just straight up next level. Everything she does, from facial expressions, to the holds itself, to her intensity, down to her ring presence, it's all just superstar level. Right? It's amazing to watch, quite frankly. Uh, And so when I say go full heart flare, I mean Jaguar Yakota totally works the targeted leg simply to set up a devastating figure four lock that lasts minutes on end. And it's a fight. Like... Can Asuka survive it the story, right? And Jaguar is just trying all she can to keep her in the hold. Uh, can Asuka turn her over, overcome Jaguar's power, leads to a comeback breaking out for Asuka. They do get into the, the reverse like Indian Deathlock situation. And it's and they go back and forth. Uh Asuka breaks out. She dishes it right back. Jaguar escapes the outside before Asuka can return the damage completely. So it's just brilliant stuff. Everything makes sense. Then we get to the second half of the match, where both women simply reversing and mat-wrestling leg holds, right? Uh, So for a good 75% of the match now, it's just crazy to watch a match where the whole thing basically takes place on the ground in leg holds. With maybe a wrestling move as they get back to their feet temporarily, finally in a flurry to finish. So this is like the last five minutes. They stand up and go crazy with moves. You know, another fighting spirit situation for both. Uh, they're both kind of selling the leg work, uh, but they're go- they're overcoming it. So Oscar hits a series of moves that scare the shit out of me. She hits a J driller. Uh, then there's a. Tombstone reversal sequence leading to Asuka bouncing off the ropes into a sit-out tombstone. Fuck, man. How Jaguar's neck just... How is this not broken? How? It just looked crazy hurtful. Ugh. Asuka just runs wild with airplane spins, a release airplane spin. She follows this up, showing off her crazy strength, catching Jaguar in a running standing suplex situation. She walks across the ring and just chucks her over to the top rope to the outside. My god, are you kidding me? Ugh. Do you imagine like talking about the moves before you're going you do the match or they just call it in the ring? Hey yeah. Uh get me in a suplex and just throw me out. Ugh. <laughs> Oscar uh, just can't keep Jaguar down no matter what though. She hits a slingshot suplex, a German then Jaguar fights back, hits a straight jacket German, uh, kind of ropes her in with the with the left hand, right hand, turns her around. It, it, it's something Kento Miyahara would do, right? Uh, they work to the top rope. Asuka gets her in a suplex situation again, just throws her off, face plants onto the mat. Uh, she goes for a diving knee and just misses. Jaguar, with all that leg work, sees this opportunity. That's all she needed. Hits the bridge knee suplex win, so even the finishing move played into the, the the first half of the match. Absolutely nuts! Easily my favorite AJW match I have seen to date on this quest. Ugh. if you need a recommendation of an old uh, Joshi match, this is the one I'd recommend. This was just crazy. Uh, never, I'd never seen anything remotely like this match unless I compare to a 1970s flare match. Just nonsense. It's so good. Oh Whew. I need a drink after that one. That that one was so much fun to talk about. Just all different matches, all so good in their own way. Ugh. Oh. Hmm. Alright. I gotta play this drop and move on with the podcast. I'm just so excited. Oh. you know what that means time to talk dragon gate dragon gates at the gate of destiny 2019 took place on the 4th of november 2019 uh a good a, a good show i wouldn't say it's dragon gates best big show of the year but it, uh this one did have english commentary so i do recommend trying to seek it out uh there were a number of matches um you know the 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 trio's title match was... I'm not really into what Strong Machine is doing. They're okay. They have a weird little manager gimmick going on. Uh, they did retain the titles over Maximum. Um, yeah, fine. I don't I, I don't agree with Naruki Doi being in the... Anyways, we'll get there. Uh, first things first. They had a tag team match random draw. Uh, to see who teams with who, basically. So we got uh, Masaki Mochizuki... Teaming with ex-member of Mochizuki Dojo, Shun Skywalker. And then KZ and Yamato uh, were a team. So we had faction leaders. uh, And they they definitely played into the dissension between the faction leaders quite well in this match. And then the kind of hesitance, but still working well together of Shun and Mochizuki. Being ex-faction members and all. So... First recall, Skywalker has lost, like, 11 matches in a row. He's on a crazy losing streak, and this is all while teaming with the Dreamgate champion, mind you. This was a very solid tag match, uh, despite KZ Yamato not getting along. Uh, they gelled just enough for KZ to hit, uh, hit Impact, uh, to beat Skywalker again, as his losing streak continues. Mochizuki post-match uh, tries to give him advice, despite Skywalker quitting the dojo back at uh, the Dead or Alive event. Um, keep trying, young lad, don't give up. Uh, Skywalker cuts a nice don't-give-up promo. Um, so there's the long-term story there. They're do- best definitely doing the uh, the losing streak gimmick here with him. Uh, there was an open-the-Bravegate title match between Susumu Yokotsuka Uh, Trying to defend against Kaito Ishida, the uh, local Osaka boy, hometown young Kaito, uh, up against the tough vet situation. A match kind of simply told in itself right there in the writing. Susumu just kills uh, Ishida's knee and leg early in the match. Led to basically the resilient Kaito uh, comeback to overcome the punishment. Wins the title. Simple enough. Solid match. It told the simple story. It was it's uh, it's it's Kaito Ishida's coming out party, if you will, uh, as Yo- Yokotsuka has um, defended the, ti- the Brave Gate title uh, successfully. So for the young up and comer Ishida to get an opportunity to shine with the Brave Gate title, I welcome. This is just another example of Dragon Gate really pushing the young talent and giving them. They're they're giving their young guys the platform to succeed. And if they don't succeed, maybe they are they go back to the line. Someone else will come up. Uh, this is something I think um, companies like NOAA, All Japan, uh, even to an extent uh, New Japan, uh, you're not seeing the young guys move up, so to say. Right? I can compare it to Sho and Yo, two guys with just crazy talent stuck in the junior tag division. Do we... Well, let's face it, not much, right? Uh, I will say I, I, I haven't. I, I'm not gonna be covering the New Japan uh, San Jose show, but show and uh, ELP had a good junior tag title match, which ELP won. It was good, solid. But I liked the Yokots- I liked this Yakotska Ishida match more uh, because of the leg work. The, the, the it was a much better story told and the young gun getting a chance to shine on stage now. Um, I already mentioned the Triangle Gate title match uh, with Strong Machine retaining. Uh, then there w- then there was the open the Twin Gate title match of Red Big Arshimizu and Ata taking on Ryo Saito and Yashushi, Yasushi Yasushi Kanda. Uh, playing into still playing into the uh Red uh versus Ultima Dragon. Um, faction v. faction That's that's uh, been going on lately. Uh, not a strong team to contend for the title, but here we are. The match only goes 12-29. Uh, compare that to the, I think it was over 20 minutes of uh, of the Brave Gate match. Uh, you, on, on, a, on the surface, this looked like a standard tag match, but I think what's going under the radar here is, is Shimizu and Ata and Ata specifically, are two of the biggest dickheads in Japan and wrestling today. Ata has the charisma and the ring skill, as we saw with the King of Gate Tournament getting all the way to the finals. And Shimizu is just so large and in charge, right? And they just kill these two young guys trying to stand up for their mentor, uh, Ultima Dragon just crazy, and Eita's still got his, uh, his, his minion, his masked minions that he's going to reveal at some, some point. Uh, they do everything in their can to just beat these guys down. I did like the finish of the, the punt and the nuts, uh, off the distraction from, from the masked figure, and just rolls him up, in Eita's just, ah, ha, 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 situation. It is, this is something you would see in New Japan, but on and an event like this gate of destiny was it the right place see i i would argue that you would have this twin gate match at a, at a uh, one of the road 2 shows let's call it one of their more house shows uh and lead to stronger contenders at the gate of destiny so perhaps perhaps they could have booked this better in the storyline but in a vacuum i quite liked this match it was short it didn't overstay as welcome and that led into the main event, uh, the Open the Dream Gate title match, one I have clamored for ever since Ben K won the title in the summer. It is Ben K versus Masato Yoshino, the Speed Demon himself, in which we just saw him crush Shun Skywalker at the previous uh, show, just talked about on his podcast. Uh, Yoshino pulling out moves we haven't seen. We we see him not pull out too often. Uh. One big criticism I'll have of this Yoshino match was the fact they didn't play into that very well at all. Uh, I, I I really thought going into this we were going to see a lot more speed between the two guys since Ben Benkei uh, has a lot of speed and Yoshino has that, sp- he's known for his speed, right? Running the ropes faster than anyone you've ever seen. Um, so not enough speed in the match. Uh, and not enough callbacks, I think, to that that Shun Skywalker match if you want to tell a story in the ring. What they did tell was Ben K overcoming Yoshino's kind of presence. And what I like about Dragon Gate on these shows is: uh, um, so Yoshino and Ben K had a singles match last year in which the roles were reversed. Yoshino was champion, Ben K was challenging, and uh, Yoshino comes out on top, right? Now now Ben K's the champion and Yoshino's here and they show the previous bouts at intermission so to say right so you have you have a match to compare uh to their match prior and uh when you see that you definitely see a strategy of sorts from how the two operate in the ring and uh this wasn't as I'm de- it's de- it definitely wasn't as good as the Mochizuki match between Ben K. Uh, because there was a lot of uh, earlier work going on. Mochizuki is much more technical based. He's much more old school than that. And Yoshino's uh, trying to do some more high flying. So it was a much more dyna- different dynamic to it. It goes twenty-one forty-five, And Ben K, uh, in the finish, uh, they both run the ropes really fast. And then Ben K hits a spear over. So, we have three straight defenses here in which Benkei has won with a different move uh, which is really interesting. We got the we got the um Benkei bomb uh, which is his main one. You got the headbutt from the Mochizuki match. Now you have the spear. So, Benkei uh getting over with three uh, three huge veterans of Dragon Gate uh, winning each match with a different move is a real good story. Post match, Naruki Doi comes out uh, and he challenges Ben K. And from the house shows, uh, I've been keeping up with. Uh, you know, they've had their tag matches in Naruki, Naruki Doi. They've had um, a no contest finish. Uh, Naruki Doi getting the pin over Shooting Skywalker, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. It goes on from there. So, ver- so another veteran has stepped up to try and put down the young gun. Uh, Let's see what happens there. I think Ben K is going to hold this title for at least two or three more defenses and see who rises up to the occasion. Uh, I'm thinking KZ is going to take this title off Ben K. And I would love to see a KZ run, personally. On to stardom. Oh, yeah. Here we go. That is the wrong timestamp I just did. There we go. All right, stardom. Hey, last I left off was right before the Corican Hall Show on November 4th that took place. Um, just racing right through it so I can get to the, the awesome stuff to talk about. Uh, the three-way tag battle was okay between the Drunk Queens uh Dream Shine as they're being called Tom Nakano and Arisa, uh, Bobby Tyler and Hanakamura, which I love that tag team much more than um them as a more serious team. Um uh, the team, the Saya team, they're trying uh Big Saya's doing running shooting star presses that just look uh, absolutely amazing especially for her size. Uh I don't like her dancing idol gimmick. Uh, I don't think it matches the way she wrestles. It doesn't match her charisma. It just doesn't match. It's not doing it for me. And every every match I watch with uh, Saya, uh, Kamitani, just further convinces me of the same. Uh, I, I'm definitely not a fan of Jungle Kiona and Konami losing a lot of their matches. Uh, they, Jungle Kiona gets pinned yet again by Natsuko which is really weird because I didn't even notice she was in the match. Uh, Hazuki, Hazuki's had a very low-key second half to the year. Uh, ever since she lost the high-speed title, uh, she's definitely played back fiddle to everything else going on in Stardom, be it, uh, Riho coming in and taking that title, uh, the rise of Tokyo Cyber Squad. Arisa's run uh, and all the other stories Hazuki is just uh, same with Momo actually just not been at the forefront of stardom needless to say uh, one of two things is going to happen here TCS here Jungle Kion and Konami are going to be weak champions defending the title and lose which I think does no one no good or uh, they've lost a lot, and now they've set up a lot of opponents to run through them and look like strong champions. Build up the title, build up their credibility again—a long, a longer-term story—and uh, then they'll put over a strong uh, a, a team that will look strong in beating the team that just rolled through a lot uh, through a lot of defenses. I'm hoping it's that second one, and they just don't straight up lose after they've just gotten just killed in the uh, in the tag league here. In my favorite tag league match, I've been I've I've spoken quite more on the negative side of my feelings of how uh, Blue Block in general has gone with everyone's just uh, kind of fifty-fiftyed throughout, so it just creates a weak a weak, quote-unquote weak team, going to the finals against the undefeated Top Gaijins. Um, if the Top Gaijins don't win, uh, then I guess you could argue that the blue block at that point was uh, just so competitive that they all beat each other, and the red block wasn't competitive enough. But I, I definitely just see it the other way around. Uh, but needless to say, Riho and Starlight Kid against Momo and Azumi... Uh, which is funny because I mentioned, I just didn't know like who stands out on top in this tag league other than the top Gaijins. That's B Priestley and Jamie Hayter. There's a promo that Starlight Kid and Riho cut before this match. They go, I don't know where we stand in the tournament. Can we still win? And they just look at each other going, I don't know. And then Momo and Azumi just go, let's do our best. And they just run away. So, but that le- needless to say, uh, this was my favorite tag match of the tournament. Um, I guess you could say that the, I think it was the Mayu and her Yankee partner against Riho and Starlight was the second best match. I, th- I think, I think you could say that, but I really like the dynamic between here. Cause on one side, you have Ozmi and Starlight who have amazing chemistry together. And on the other side, you have Riho and Momo, which is very interesting. Cause Momo is the, well, a stardom grad. Uh, at the top of the card. And Riho's the Gato grad. At the top of the card there. And she's the high speed and AEW champion. Uh, so the 1v1s here were very good. And uh, the the dynamic between Starlight and Riho just work. Because they, they have very similar moveset. Besides uh, Starlight doing more of the Lucha maneuvers. Uh, while Riho does... I guess you could say uh, uh, the, the, the Tokyo Joshi... Maneuvers where it's a it's a lot more it doesn't look as smooth right but in a lot of so Riho does a lot more knees and and running maneuvers while Momo stands and does the kick so their... how they interacted was was very different and a lot of this new blood we're seeing in stardom uh you could you could bring this back to Jamie Hayter coming in from the UK B Priestley uh Riho uh, the eventual Julia. Who's uh, officially coming uh, when Bushi Road takes over on December 1st? She's coming in. Andres Miyagi from from um, Sendai. You have a lot more styles diversifying uh, the stardom portfolio, if you will, uh, which is going to be really cool heading into t- 2020. And th- th- well, that's what Riho brings to stardom here. And I de- we definitely saw it in this match. It's co- quite cool. It's my favorite match of the uh, entire tournament. So. Uh, On to Arisa taking on Jamie Hayter for the white belt. Uh, If we remember, during the five-star Grand Prix, Arisa and Jamie Hayter had a... They laid an egg. They had a stinker. The match was awful. I hated it. Oh! So in this match, they killed it! Oh, it was so much better. I was so excited. Oh, my God. Arisa is... I mean, it starts out just fantastic, right? Arisa's getting the streamer. She's doing her big pose. Jamie Hater just fucking tackles her right through the streamers. It's it's a great image. Uh, beats her up, and they proceed to have a fight, right? Uh, J- Jamie's uh, ducking in and out of the kicks, but on the third kick, Arisa hook kicks her, bang, Osprey style, you know. Uh, Jamie Hayter's doing her power moves, putting Arisa down. They're grabbing each other's hair, very reminiscent to the H- Hazuki match, which I really loved, by the way. It's uh, definitely one of my top Joshi matches of the year, women's matches of the year. Uh, so I saw a lot of that in this. They're chopping each other. And then finally, Arisa does come back, hits a freaking Ozcutter from the corner. There's a lot of that going around. Keeps it in. Brazilian kick. Just cracks her. Jamie Hayter goes down. Uh, but it wasn't enough. Gets her again, uh, with the blackout knee. Oh my god, I'm trying to remember the finish now. Uh, yeah. She, she, uh... Yes, that is, she runs the ropes and gets her with a second blackout knee. And just cracks her, and that keeps her down. Um... So she gets on the mic. She celebrates. Uh, no challenger, I believe, after this match. Now that I think about it. Ooh. Oh, of course. Now I know why. On to the red belt. The one. The world of stardom title. B Priestley defending against Mayu Itani. Uh with Bushi Road. Everyone kind of expected Mayu to win with the two-year-long journey. Uh, this. Match, I I I, sp- I went on a rant on uh, Jay's podcast Smack It Down with JPQ was there as a guest as well. How we went we went on about the Emi Sakura riho match. Uh, we talked about the B Priestley run. How um, spoiler B Priestley does lose the title to Mayu Yutani. Uh How B Priestley's run when she initially got the title, people hated it. And then by the end of it all, people are giving her standing ovation, saying they respect her, great job. Uh, Really just shows how much B. Priestley has improved and changed the mind of the masses, if you will. Uh, This match, I quite loved, because of uh, a major, a big factor of, as the match went on, yes, things got sloppy, but, I don't know, it just worked. It made it feel more real. Uh, it played into the exhaustion levels of the opponents quite well. Uh, there was a real scary bump where it looks like Mayu Itani is going to do a Frankensteiner from the top rope, in which B. Priestley is supposed to catch her and do a sort of powerbomb. bomb. Uh, seen it a number of times uh, through various promotions, various different wrestlers. Well, what ends up happening is uh, B. Priestley's back foot slips off the turnbuckle, and no one panics... Uh, but Mayu lands very awkwardly on the back of her neck. Luckily, she's made out of uh, pure, adorable rubber, and big smile on her face. She's like, th- She's so thankful she's not injured. You can see it. You see the reaction to Tom and Ari So ringside, they're just petrified. Uh, and there was a there was another move later in the match where she lands on her neck again. Uh, but that was more Mayu's just rubberness kind of kicking in. Uh, so this this uh, roughness, if you will, uh, really played to a realism of the match and really got you kind of empathizing with, with Mayu more and more as the match went on uh, to the point where when she finally does uh, win the match, you just go, oh, it's like a big sigh of relief because you think f- throughout that she's only had one title reign. It lasted for a, for like a, a bowl of soup because she got she had to drop it to injury. And she in her post-match promo she even goes ah I was afraid I was injured there again and it was gonna it was gonna happen again uh, you see Tom just tackle her in happiness Aris is all excited uh, they have a promo together afterwards where they're doing they 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 really want to do the uh, the title V title situation just like in New Japan uh, there's been talk of an iwGP uh, stardom title. I would love a new design of a stardom title. Uh, keep the white belt the same. I think that needs to stay uh, true to, to stardom. Uh, I don't mind the idea of an I- IWGP stardom title at all. Uh, I think you can make it look like the New Japan title, but you've got to keep the red strap. You know, got to do that. I think that's the most important part. Maybe the uh, nameplates on the side are stars uh, as well. I, th- I think uh, you got to play into the history, so... Uh, fantastic match, a little rough, uh, but I think it played into the uh, the empathy and story more. Uh, B Priestley just killed it, I thought, in this match. Uh, she definitely played played a heel, um, which is lacking in the Joshi scene in general. There, there's a lot of comedy characters, like Maki Ito, who's a heel, but you laugh. Uh, that's the same with Oedo Tai, they're heels, but you laugh. Queen's Quest are just super competitive, serious people. B Priestley and Jamie Hader, Jamie Hader in particular, is a great heel in stardom. Maybe she plays up to the whole, you know, yelling at the crowd and playing to the word, doing wordplay a little too much. But uh, B Priestley, being a cocky uh, Queen's Quest heel, kind of taking over an Io Shirai kind of role in a lot of ways with her with her charisma. Um, really got Mayu. I think really helped to get Mayu over even more. So this was very nice. And then just quickly, uh, there was an Osaka show. I will not get to the Nagoya show. That missed the cutoff date for the podcast. So the Nagoya show has the finish of the Tag League Finals on that uh, with a couple more matches. So just going to have to wait till next time, boys. Uh, The Osaka day show, I quite liked Azumi versus Jungle Kiona. Jungle Kiona gets the win. Uh, Starlight hit against Momo, Momo gets the win there. So good little singles matches. Don't get a don't get a lot of that. I believe that's the first time Starlight and Momo faced each other, actually. Yeah, uh, Jungle Kion, I do, do want to mention, uh, did cut a funny little just simple promo where she puts her hands together and she she says she's gonna eat Azami sushi. It was really funny. Um, Hanakimura and Death Yamasan... Uh, or Death Hana-san. Uh, they're really playing up to the whole death gimmick. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're a comedy team. Their their finisher is very weak, where Hana just kicks, kicks her opponent into the death roll, if you will. Uh, the Arisa and Tom tandem has been definitely the big highlight of the tournament, just because of their personalities, let's call it, together. You have... Uh, a moment in the back where Tom and Arisa are putting on makeup and Arisa kind of goes, ah, I, I forgot to put on eyeliner. And Tom, Tom just goes, um, I think it's like, uh, ah, you don't need it. You're cute the way you are to, like sarcastically. And Arisa goes to mess up her makeup and she's like, ah, you'll, you can, I'll still be more cute than you. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, they, they cut a, uh, they cut another promo where, where, where Tom goes, uh, how am I going to get along with this person? I hate where will it take us? And Ars is like, ah, come on. You, st- you still really like me. I know you do like deep downside and Tom's awkward pause. Yeah. Right. Situation. Even in their matches, even in the, uh, the match here, Natsu against, uh, Martina, the drunk Queens, uh, doing their comedy shtick. Um, you know, they're like booting each other and trying to power slam each other on their opponents. Uh, they're winning matches more or less, you know, they're kind they're, they're in the blue block, so it's so it's 50-50 uh, for a lot of the teams. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you had the Mayusaki against uh, Hazuki handicap match in the main event, you know, is what it is. Uh, just not, just that, this, it was fine, just move on, I'll just keep it at that, it's simple enough. Uh, Jamie Hayter faced off against Saya Ida, Just kind of kicked the shit out of her. Huge height disadvantage there. Uh, Konami-Saya Kamitani. Singles match was very interesting. This is where Saya pulls off a shooting star press. Just makes you go, excuse me. Um, Trios match, move on. uh, Arisa and Tom getting out a a win. I think it's four in a row. So they're definitely the favorite heading into blue block. uh, Uh... At this point, I don't really see anyone else winning Blue Block at this point. Uh, I don't know how, but I've stayed away from the Tag League uh, results. Uh, But it's definitely looking like uh, Top Gaijin's against Arisa Tom. I don't see how anyone else from Blue Block is going to come out at this point. Not with the momentum Arisa and Tom are having. Uh... Death Hana-san and uh, Death Yamasan against the Drunk Queens was a comedy match. Uh, really funny seeing Martina scared of death, <laughs> if you will. And then, of course, I don't know why, in the main event, it's Momo and Azumi against Hazuki Handicap Match. And it's like the same thing. Hazuki runs wild. Natsuko hits four moves, and then the match ends. Like, ah. Ugh. <sighs> I just don't like it. So, um, Nagoya. Uh, well, Death and, uh, you know, De- uh, the Death Squad uh, against Tom and Arisa are going to be the finals. I don't see, I as a comedy act, I can't take Hana and Death seriously to get to the finals uh, to go against Top Gaijin. Not when the big babyface group of Arya and Tom are on the run, right? So, top Gaijin's against Tom and Arisa, I'm assuming. So you have the big heel undefeated team against the big babyface underdogs that came back and won like 4-5 in a row to win the block. So again, that definitely plays into the two scenarios of either top Gaijin's run wild and... Roll through the tag champions, right? They win the tag titles. Or, you have Tam and Arisa overcome the big heel group. Good feel-good story. Could easily see that as well. Uh, But, then, when they get to the tag title match, would they win the title? That's a a much tougher scenario to predict. So, could... I could see Tom and Arisa winning uh, just for that tougher prediction of can they can they beat Jungle and Konami? You know, so that's the more interesting story. Because if if again, top guys if they win, you expect them to win because they've already rolled through the tag champions, right? Uh so for the more interesting story you probably assume that Tom and Arisa are going to win. And then lo- you know what? I'm going to say they don't win the tag titles because the the longer story is then TCS have a line of opponents uh, to face off to build up their cred again. And that's stardom looking good to finish out the year. Uh, we're going to get the Mayu Arisa double title match. Or in January as they get closer to the Tokyo Dome. Anyways, time to move on. That was fun. Got uh, two more shows to talk about. Much quicker. Uh, And then WCW. Hey, hey. Let's see here. Yeah, I haven't played this one in a while. Yeah, Tyler Bates from Progress. Let's play the Progress one. All right. Progress Chapter 97, Sex Robots Will Eventually Be Capable of Murder. I think we can all agree that's the best title of any wrestling show ever. Uh, We start out the show with Mark— Oh, well, we have our stick with with, um, Smallman, as usual. Uh, Mark Andrews with Eddie Dennis defeats Connor Mills in a 10-minute match. Very simple. Uh, the big story here, I criticized Chapter 96 for having no story with Eddie Dennis uh, coming out of it. 97, at least we have a path set. Because Eddie Dennis uh, cuts a promo, talks shit on Mark Andrews, talks shit on David Starr, talks shit on the promotion. You know, he does his thing. David Starr comes out, and he's furious. Ah, you talk a lot of shit when I'm not here, but I'm here now, situation. Eddie Dennis... Um. Fires back with, with uh, uh, you will get whomever wins the main event between David Starr uh, at a future date will get a title match against Eddie Dennis, and he proclaims OJMO will face David Starr to kind of put dissension between the two because they're friends. David Starr is the one that got OJMO in the uh, natural progression series. That's who, whom he picked. Uh, So there's a story there, Uh, so Eddie Dennis playing the card. I really like the line of David Starr saying your your handlers say you can't wrestle, referencing WWE, saying Eddie Dennis can't wrestle. Uh, Wondering how that's going to play there. So at least we have a path of Eddie Dennis versus um, probably David Starr as we go through the night. Uh, tag team match, pretty deadly, defeats Jordan Bleeks and Sid Scala in a 14-minute match. I think it overstayed its welcome. Uh, went too long. Moving on. We have uh, the second match, the return bout of Kar Noir versus Ilya Dragunov. This match went 16 minutes, and they played more character work. Uh, they start They start off hot, as they did before, and then they're staring at each other. They're like uh, hitting a move, standing up behind him looking f- like Cara Noir does does his uh his uh his uh opera stance kind of situation he doesn't move dragon off pops up from beha- from behind looking just furiously like his his intensity eyes situation uh there's there's more character work uh, after a few more moves so you could say that they kind of overindulged in each other but i think a lot of character work like this is missing in in wrestling uh today so this was uh breath of fresh air i haven't seen uh, too many matches like this uh, in the last couple years. Karanoir's licking his face. Dragonoff's licking his hand after some chops. Uh, chops and kicks, because Karanoir wrestles without shoes on. Uh, this was a uh, a great return bout. Now, I was critical before, because Dragunov beat Karanoir, and I was afraid, okay, two things could happen. Dragonoff wins, and you go, okay, well, who does that help? Dragonoff has no path to the title. They're not doing anything. And if Kar Noir wins, well, you expect it to be a trilogy. They 50 50'd it. Uh, you know, why couldn't they just, uh, you know, have Carl win twice and then you do an angle with Dragonoff or something? Uh, well, regardless, the the finish was awesome. Dragonoff does go for a Torpedo Moscow and just gets caught in midair into the big sleeper hold and gets him. Ah, I did like that finish. It was quite nice. I like this match more than their first one, as a matter of fact. Progress Women's title match uh, happened between um, Danny Luna and Mako Satomura. Mako just on another level, it's, it wasn't even close. It was exactly what I was afraid of. Uh, Danny Luna loses in under 10 minutes. She went in as a weak challenger, even though Tony Storm tried to put her over. Uh, regardless, Mako Satomura retains. There was a, uh, there was an angle that played, I think, right before that, of, um, there was going to be a match between, uh, with Osun Delaney and Charlie Carter, taking on members of Do Not Resuscitate, uh, Danny Duggan and, I think, Chuck Mambo. But then Spike Trevay comes on the video screen. He says he's in Newcastle. Uh, this is what's been missing for DNR, is Spike Trevay promos. And Spike Trevay looking strong. And DNR looking strong. They haven't looked strong. They haven't pushed anybody singles-wise to success. They haven't pushed... Uh, even tag title success, right? They need to look better as main event players, especially with the NXT UK guys not being regular people on the show really anymore at all, right? So you need to push DNR. Uh, well, what ends up happening is Spike Trevay says uh, he's you know, he got more members, pretty deadly hit the ring from behind, uh, and all of DNR minus Spike Trevay beat the hell out of Delaney and Carter Uh, And then we move on. So, DNR is looking to be a huge faction going forward. Um, We'll we'll get to something in a second here. There's a Progress Proteus title match between Paul Robinson taking on DNR member William Ever. And of course, via Paul Robinson's rules, you can't use the title as a weapon uh, at all. Otherwise, the match is over. uh, And you can only lose via submission or knockout. Slash referee stoppage. And Ever, uh, looking big and beastly, um, beckons DNR to go to the back. He wants to win it on his own. Eventually, after uh, Robinson just looking like uh, a badass that he is, a little scrapper, uh, Mambo makes his way to the ring. Robinson takes him out. He does like triple Double curb stomp, uh, Ever into the ground, beats his ass, essentially. So, we, Ever to me, there there was a moment where Ever's hitting his big moves on Robinson because he can't pin him, and Robinson's just giving him the finger. Uh, it's not how, how it works. I did quite like that. That's a good touch to the match, makes the uh, the title seem important, uh, and the stip important instead of breaking it. Uh, this makes DNR come off as fools. I don't, I, I, I really. I, I really don't think this was a good a good move after that big angle earlier in the night with getting more DNR and kicking the shit out of basically these unknown guys in progress lately. So having Ever lose here uh, with also having Mambo uh, look, well, kind of foolish as well, uh, if this plays into Ever and Mambo, the original DMR, DNR members, getting kicked out of the group, that could be one thing. Uh, how fast that comes really depends on how much they nail that end of the story. Uh, if it's not that, then why are you making this group look so weak? Is Paul Robinson going to go through DNR members one by one and then eventually gets to Spike Spike Trevay and Trevay wins? Uh, I could see something like that happen, and Trevay has all of DNR just kick the shit out of Robinson, and that's how he wins the Proteus title. I, then you could have DNR win this title... And have just a crazy stipulation where it's going to be virtually impossible to get it off Spike Treve. I could see that. I could be for any one of these things. How they pull it off remains to be seen. Uh, Then we had our number one contendership match. David Starr versus OJMO. Goes 19 minutes, 6 seconds. Just awesome. Uh, OJMO just doing his Michael Oku thing. Flipping over the top rope. Uh, doing the half-Boston cra- half Crab, the uh, half-Crab, one one definite critique is OJMO definitely needs some more ring psychology in this match, right? He has charisma, but it's not playing into his ring game, as well as he's just doing moves still. While on the David Starr side, he's definitely being over-reliant on the uh, Big Larry... Uh, Stan, Stan Hansen, um, lately, uh, when it, when it was against guys like Walter and Devlin, it definitely played in the match. But when you have someone like OJMO, whom isn't selling these things as much as he probably should, the match just doesn't click, right? So athletically and, uh, pace wise, it was quite good. But then on the other end, uh, the ring psychology just wasn't there. Um but it was a good match. David Starr wins. Uh they they have they have their moment together, you know, the, the the friends and um the match goes off the air. I wonder if this is gonna lead to something at unboxing. I believe there's a there's two more shows before that uh to finish off the year. So we'll see what ninety eight and ninety nine bring heading into chapter one hundred. That will lead into... Uh, the last one before WCW. Right. WXW. VXV. Broken Rules 19. Uh, you know... I love WXW, but sometimes you can tell they're trying really hard to get a lot of the young guys over, bringing in new new blood uh, to make up for a lot of the missing depth and talent. Uh, who's ready, who's not. Uh, they have stories. They all make sense in the world. Uh, how are they playing into it all? Is it su- successful? <sighs> it's, it's tough to watch a promotion struggle to have drawing talent right and this was a definite this was a show that was extremely evident of such such struggles You've seen it in the we've seen it in the uk with a lot of promotions from ipw to um south Side wrestling that went under defiant had a real problem doing that so I'm, I'm quite i'm definitely quite worried after seeing broken rules which is one of Uh, their, their marquee shows, not the the biggest marquee shows, but nonetheless, it's, it's more of their kind of extreme rules or, uh, uh, pay-per-view. Uh, Mike Bailey defeats Julian Pace in, uh, nine minutes. Um, he does do, Mike Bailey does do a crazy, uh, mid-rope springboard moonsault to the outside floor, uh, move, which was quite, quite, quite crazy, I will say. Uh, There was a tag team match of J A, Absolute Andy, and Skillet defeating Avalanche and the rotation in a nice little 12-minute match. The story is still Absolute Andy wants uh, to become a triple crown champion of WXW. Avalanche has the shotgun title. It's the only one he's never held. Uh, Andy and Skillet run wild. They take Avalanche out of the equation. And for some reason, Skillet pins the rotation instead of Andy in this situation. So I don't know how that plays, but I've seen on a road two, Andy gets the title match against Avalanche and lost, so this is where I'm a little bit lost in this situation, uh, the Alexander James no DQ match against Yern Simmons took place, uh, was a little long, 15 plus minutes, uh, do the big kendo stick spots with Yern Yern Simmons as a baby face, ooh, it's kind of tough, he's he's doing the badass thing going on so i'm i'm m mm, i am i am do not know but uh alexander james only wins via the help of tyler colton the canadian hercules from smash wrestling uh so they so alexander james gets a new heavy to replace jerin simmons so that it's it's a simple story being told uh but the uh the interference uh you know it, it's good angle for an undercard that's what i'll say then we had the match of the night. Easily, it was David Starr defeating Ilya Dragunov in a 14-and-a-half-minute match. Basically, a number-one contendership match uh, that gets talked to. Um, Starr and Dragunov had a had a war of words backstage in which Karsten Beck gets uh, gets involved and said, do it in the ring. Uh, Starr wants a title match. He said, hey, if you win, you get it. Dragunov goes, why does he get one? What, is, what has he done? All he's done is, like, lost. Well, Dragunov... Uh, Well, he ends up losing. Um, Not as good as the OJMO match, I will say, surprisingly enough. I I think uh, just as it was getting, more or less get going, uh, it just kind of ends with uh, David Starr winning. So, Looking looking like Starr gets another VXV title match to finish out the year. I thought he was going to win it last year. He did not. So Thatcher against Starr, I don't know if he's going to make it. (laughs) <laughs> to that baseball bat on a pole tag team match. It was supposed to be a singles match of uh lucky kid versus Pete Bouncer. Fortunately, purge club wasn't going to have that. It's a two on one situation in which, uh, Aaron insane was featured in the crowd with, uh, I forget the other guy, but, um, all ol- older WXW guys, Aaron insane saves. Lucky kid gets a little Frankfurt hometown pop. Uh turns into a tag match. Uh it was not a bad on a pole match. Uh, but it was your standard. They it's a tornado tag match in which every once in a while someone would go for the bat on that's on the pole, be just shy of it, get pulled down, do some moves. Uh, very much a lack of ring psychology. Aaron Insane, jeans and a t shirt looking very out of shape, very slow. Ivan Kiev is. Definitely no main eventer himself uh, with his moves. I really wanted to see Pete Bouncer and Lucky Kid go at this in this match one on one. Well, as we found out uh, right before the show went off the air, uh, Lucky Kid is talking to Beck, uh, and c- uh, Beck is like, "Hey, I'm glad you uh, you won your match. You can put this behind you now. Uh, you can move on to be- bigger and better things." Lucky Kid goes, "No, no, I can't. I've done. I've. I've. I've done." So much in 2019, I won 16 karat, but I lost. I lost my title match. I've been going internationally. I went to NXT UK, had a match there. He's he's done. I think no Ring of Honor. He's done Ring of Honor, but he hasn't been able to accomplish what he has in WXW because of what happened with Rise and Pete Bouncer specifically. And he knows Pete is just gonna say, Ah, you didn't beat you didn't beat me one v one. You needed help. You can't beat me by yourself. So, uh, in storyline, it makes perfect sense. I wanted to see the 1v1 match. They've built it up well. Uh, We didn't get a conclusive finish to the story here. Uh, This makes sense. I like it. So, again, you can tell WXW is being uh, consistent with their storylines with the exception of the Andy already facing Avalanche on a Road 2 show, right? But they're continuing the story. He still wants the shotgun title. Right, and he's still adamant about it. Uh, so everything makes sense in, in in the promotion. They just don't have the star power. Uh, there was a singles match that wasn't very good. It was Little Miss Roxy losing to Sky Smithson. So two British chicks going at each other. Uh, and then the uh, there was a tag title TLC match. Pretty Bastards, the tag champions, uh, taking on Arrows of Hungary and i thought this was going the, the match went 20 minutes they did a nice little pre-match promo of the arrows of hungary saying that they are hardcore specialists and because they got screwed with the formation of the new stable uh, at the previous show uh, they're going to they're you're coming into their yard and they're going to win well the pretty bastards go into their yard and they beat the arrows of hungary so this, at the very least, after twenty minutes, at the end of the day, proved to me that the pretty bastards are a legit tag team, right? Uh, and then after the show, they they meet with Julian Pace in the back, and they're saying, "Look, yes, we took we took out uh, your tag partner to get into tag league, right?" We, our backs were against the wall. Our contracts were on the line. We had to do what we had to do. We don't regret it. But Julian, you know what? You find a partner, and we give you. We we will do the right thing and give you a tag title match. That's what you want. Pace is pissed. Gets on the phone. He calls somebody. So, uh, I wanted to see um, more of Bobby Guns and um. Oh, Norman Harris. Uh I, I really think they needed to make an appearance on the show in some kind and do an angle, whether that's uh interfering against uh David Starr or uh, interfering you know, maybe further beating down Jern Simmons. I don't know. Something something should have happened on the show with with uh with Guns and Norman Harris. A promo even. Something. We need definitely needed an angle with the new group, and we didn't get that. Uh, I think on a road on one of the Road Two shows, uh, Guns and Harris are cutting promos there. So I kind of got to go out of my way uh, to find a lot of these. So we'll see what happens with WXW moving forward. I am looking forward to the path to Sixteen Carats. See what uh, new blood they're bringing in and what stories they're going to tell along the way. Man, it's been it's been a rough year. Time to go to the last segment, finally. Here we go. Ah. Yes, WCW Nitro. The last segment of the show... Each week, I do a recap over Nitro in order. I started in 1998 for the Thunder, diverted into Nitro uh, this summer. We are at WCW Nitro, August 31st, 1998, inside of two weeks from Fall Brawl, the War Games match, from Miami, Florida this time. Which is funny, because AEW just announced they're doing a show, Best of the Beach, in Miami, Florida. So, funny timing. What else would we start out with other than a Bischoff-Hogan segment? Luckily, this was not a Bischoff-Hogan-packed show. You know, not three, four appearances this time around. But anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. Bischoff packs a concealed weapon tonight. A pen, he says as he takes a pen from his pocket. References Eddie Guerrero to wrestle again while the warrior will not. Of course, we have no idea about the Eddie and Bischoff situation other than the weird promo from Eddie two weeks ago back on Nitro. And then Hogan gets the mic. His voice did not cut out this time. Quite missed that. He announces his WarGames partners as Bret Hart. Bit weird. Uh, Stevie Ray, the new member. What the fuck? (laughs) I'm just so baffled by these two picks. Bret Hart's star power makes a little sense, at least. Stevie Ray makes no fucking sense. Especially because Booker T isn't in the War Games match. (laughs) It's It's the only way that would make sense. Ah, whatever. Hogan babbles on, finally calls out Warrior, and he appears in a badass entrance. Hogan says the fire stands for the fear in Warrior's eyes. This will play later. And sort of, sort of, we see the NWA, NWA, NWO slowly surrounding the ring as strobe lights blind the viewer. Yes, I will, I am not kidding. Strobe lights were very heavy, and I, like, if you, if you got epilepsy, oh my god, you poor guy. (laughs) Warrior says, speak to me, warriors, as smoke envelops the ring, and then he just disappears before the NWO jumps him. That was weird. Disappeared. Hogan is pissed. His plan didn't work to take out Batman Warrior. Uh, Batman Warrior signal hits the rafters. So I guess this is kind of half cool, half dumb, half weird. I don't know what to make of it yet. Kind of like it, but I don't really. It's definitely strange. Uh, WCW then shows Goldberg hanging out with Mark McGuire at the Marlin Stadium. This was quite big in the late 90s. Uh, then Jim Powers comes out to face Wrath, the former Adam Bomb. Uh, so this is our second straight week of Adam Bomb slash Wrath uh, in a match. So they have a simple four-minute match with, uh, with Jim Powers here. Uh, we get a Jim Powers comeback of sorts. Crowd gets sort of into it. Wrath continues his winning ways. Looks like a beast. Just kills the dude. Wins off a pump handle slam, a.k.a. The Meltdown. Quite like that name. I'm liking Wrath being uh, built up here. It's simple, effective stuff. Uh, It's not, like, the best matches, you know, to get them over, but uh, this was the late 90s. It was a different era, you know, which is funny because I'm watching the All Japan Women's Classics from the 80s and it's way better wrestling. (laughs) Uh, After we have some Nitro Girls and Nitro Party stuff, Norman Smiley makes his appearance. Oh, boy, it's Norman time. Now... Not to get ahead of myself, but when we start seeing all this new blood uh, coming in, this is is the sign of the apocalypse in terms of WCW. We'll learn that in time. But yeah, he gets to face Scott Flash Norton. (laughs) So, yes, Norton just murders this man and it was amazing. He immediately headbutts the piss out of Smiley, chops the piss out of him, power slams his ass, a massive shoulder breaker lifts him up from the pin, gives him a crushing powerbomb for the win. Ah, the brutality. It's so salivating. So, if Norton isn't challenging Goldberg for the title at Fall Brawl, okay, I will be very sad. He's the only guy super built up in this match, uh, or or over the weeks. He needs the title shot at Felberal versus Goldberg. I need to see that. I will totally understand the War Games match being the main event, but I need to see a legit contender for Goldberg, and it needs to be Scott Flash fucking Norton. And if they don't do that, it can't be at Halloween Havoc, uh, no. Because the winner of War Games is going on the Starcade to face Goldberg, or the the champion. So, what's going to happen at Halloween Havoc could possibly be Scott Norton. I don't know. It, it'd be very baffling if he, uh, since he, since Norton isn't in the War Games match. But anyway, I, I'm I'm getting off topic here. Lights go out after the pin, and this will be something we'll see for the rest of the night. NWO will be on the ring. After their match, the lights go out, and hanging from the rafters, or hanging out in the rafters, uh, mind you. Warriors just chilling. Maybe it's getting a little overdone. We'll see how the the night plays out. Mike Tanae is backstage, short interviews, uh, Saturn. Uh, Apparently he lost on Thunder in a match to Lodi, and now he's the servant of Lodi until Fall Brawl. Lodi's just milking it, making him carry his signs, his poster board. Uh, Saturn says he has pride and self-respect. He's, you know, he's a, he's a army veteran of sorts. Uh, he will not break his word. He's a man of his word. It's, it's, uh, it works with me. It, it, it's, it's quite good. I liked it. Uh, Wolf out. Crowd's still very into him. It's a party when they come out, let's face it. But this is a thought I had. All that NWO dissension leads to this Wolfpack Pack break-off. Okay? Uh, they got... Cool entrance music, crushing star power. It started super hot, totally halted in the summer for the celebrity matches. And now... We are, uh... Now in August, we are back building for War war Games at Fall Brawl. Last couple weeks, uh, we've gone off the air with the dissension between Goldberg and Nash. Uh, We've had, more or less, uh, the Wolfpack and NWO going at each other. Uh, It's been hot the last couple weeks, so... The this Wolfpack iteration is is back on track, right? Uh, but the faction warfare losing the tag title and the U.S. title, uh, I think it lost a bit of its luster essentially since they haven't like played it up at all. Uh, I'm definitely slowly losing interest in the Wolfpack again. It, it's almost like bang bang. It's it's very quick to how much I'm losing interest in this. Uh, they're they're coming, to, you know. It's like Cody Rhodes with my mom. It's coming across as all talk and no action, right? Uh, Anyways, Nash cuts a long-winded promo about uh, how they drew straws for war games. Uh, Who's going to be in it? Turns out it's going to be Luger and Nash. Then gives DDP an ultimatum to run with him or he will be hunted. And that's it. Uh, Another ominous message from Nash again for the second straight week. Then we get a really cool segment. I'm a big fan of this one. This was great. Uh, Very NWA-esque. Shivani is in the ring with J.J. Dillon. And J.J. beckons Arn Anderson to the ring. Anderson comes out. Says he found some old footage. Then he plays this... Uh, old promo of Arn Anderson from, like, 1983 in Mid-Atlantic Wrestling talking about Ricky Steamboat, Magnum T.A., and Dusty Rhodes. And Arn Anderson is just being awesome. He's got a full head of hair, a big hat on. He calls Steamboat, uh, uh, he, he, he references all these guys to commercials. Steamboat is, is a Hawaiian, like, car salesman. Uh, Magnum T.A., that's, he's better off with selling toothpaste. This is, this is Mid-Atlantic. This is where men are. It's, it's really cool. Arn Anderson's impressed, and then J.J. gets Mongo and Benoit to come down and try and convince Arn to reform the Horsemen, officially, with J.J.'s influence. Uh, So, kind of corners him, right? And uh, Arn is torn and sad, right? Uh, Commentary is just like, man, imagine to be Arn Anderson. Used to be this, just, especially with the promo... Used to be this big shot kind of guy. Big shot wrestler. The enforcer and the horseman. And you had this injury and you can't wrestle anymore. Uh, and then Arn Anderson just looks at JJ. As JJ kind of pulls him back in the ring. As Arn is going to... He goes... Looks at JJ. Why are you doing this to me? All the crowd wants is... They're just chanting flair. This came, this came across as very emotional. Uh, JJ says one last time, Arn. Kind of calls him out. I think you're afraid of all this, right? He's afraid to be in the ring and not wrestle, right? So as fans, we empathize with Arn because uh, we know he can't wrestle anymore and how tough it is to be in that ring. It's it's it was a very good promo. It was a very good segment. This was great. Um, we get a replay of the weird Eddie promo. I don't know why. Nothing came of it of the night. It was very odd. Uh, Brian Adams with Vincent, uh, Batman warrior signal again with the warrior and the rafters. Ooh, spooky. Uh, Zabisco is on commentary saying he's trying to, to lay down for Adams. Um, because, uh, oh, I skipped over, uh, commentaries is, is, um, yeah. So, oh my God, Brian Adams and Vincent is out. Uh, and Eddie Guerrero comes out. You get the bat signal. Adams facing Eddie Guerrero. Uh, So what we got here is bullshit. I got so flabbergasted with my notes. I'm all over the place. Eddie comes out, and he lays down for Adams. At the very least, Adams is hesitant and wants to fight. But it just goes on and on and on. After, like, four minutes of just bullshit, he finally just puts his foot on Eddie. The crowd is deathly quiet. Ugh. Like, three people boo. Eddie tells Bischoff off on the mic, and that's it. Just an awful segment. What a horrid thing to follow up such a good segment. Ugh. Uh, We get a replay from Thunder of Ernest the Cat Miller being quote-unquote legit uh, after he beat Disco Inferno. Uh, This time he faces Riggs of the Flock in not a good match, just all over the place. Cat wins via the spin kick, Uh, bounces off the ropes, basically misses him. Gets on the mic, cuts a promo, calls himself a three-time World Karate Champion. Uh, No one here can beat the Cat. Okay then, you know, uh, get a we get a good sort of good. Mm, mm, I won't say good. Conan versus Marty Janetti. They have a standard okay match. It lasts about nine minutes, which is quite surprising. It lasted that long. Uh, and it was weird because most of the match was Janetti beating Conan down and working him over. Uh, and after all that, after all that work by Janetti getting. An okay match out of just non-movement Conan. Uh, All it took was one mid-kick, a face buster. Hits the Tequila Sunrise, Conan wins. I mean, it's not... It wasn't bad, but I definitely wouldn't call it good. Because Conan didn't do shit. (laughs) Uh, Saturn's out. Gets in the ring with Master Lodi. He's carrying all his signs. Canyon and Raven get in the ring. Canyon is full flock now. Uh, I guess he's just, he's completely roped in, so I guess it works with the story. Raven then orders Lodi to order Saturn to, that he can't hit Raven in Canyon, right? But then, uh, so, so, uh, yeah, so Raven, he he orders Lodi to tell Saturn he can't hit Raven in Canyon. Then they proceed to mock Saturn awkwardly like children bullies. You have pride and in integrity. Yeah. Turns out this isn't even a tag match against the two. I thought, you know, they were just going to beat the shit out of them and antagonize them. No, it led to a match of Lodi and Saturn versus high voltage. Even commentary was confused. They're just like, oh, I guess they're facing high voltage but they have a match, basically 2v1 against Saturn the whole time. Lots of power slams and suplexes all around. Saturn eventually makes his own comeback, hits a DVD, Lodi tags in and gets the win. Ah, glorious day. Drinks all around for Lodi. For Lodi has won a wrestling match here on Nitro. I was actually quite um, satisfied at the end of all this. Uh, Tony Schiavone introduces DDP to the ring, captain of Team WCW at WarGames. DDP does his Hollywood Scum hogan chick introduces Piper to the ring, Piper cuts a very babyface promo for ward Games, specifically calls out Bret Hart to see the kindness in his heart, and for some reason, Giants hit, Giant hits the ring and beats them both up. Okay. Then, for no reason, Giant gets cuffed after security surrounds him. No idea what was the purpose of all this. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: so Scott Steiner, looking jacked beyond reason, cuts a promo about him being a phenom with his quack doctor next, uh, next to him, much like last week. Out to prove his injuries are indeed real, he brings out a second doctor from Jamaica named Juju Yubengi. But it's Buff Bagwell doing a Jamaican accent dressed in stereoty- stereotypical Jamaican... Uh uh clothes. You know, he's got the the, the dreads, the, the the Rastafarian gimmick on. Buff then does a hokey witch doctor thing, says Steiner is magically healed. Uh not a good segment at all. It was quite awful. Crowd was death quiet here. Rick Steiner just casually walks in the ring from behind, looks at him, they turn around, they flee. Rick with a smile on his face just laughs it off. Uh just just says, ah, I don't want to hurt you because then you'd, you know, say you're injured again. So I guess that kind of makes sense. But the lights go out again. Focuses on Warrior in the Rafters. Commentary just will not shut up about this one Warrior Nation thing all night. It's now getting irritated. It's officially irritating. Uh, easily the match of the night here is Juventud Guerrera, the cruiserweight champion, Defending the title against newcomer Evan Courageous. Now, some of us know that Evan Courageous would lo- later go on into the team three counts. But right now, he is a young, studly, jacked, young guy ready to wrestle. And boy, howdy, he sure did. Bobby Heenan's Colin Courageous a future star. Little does he know. Bobby just putting this guy over hard. He's likely to be a star soon. Look at that body. Look at these moves. Dude, they were just trying so hard to get this match over. They're getting so excited, all the moves. Heenan just getting antsy about Courageous not going for the covers fast enough. Just like, come on, you young lad, do it. Shiovanni saying it's due to his youth and experience. But the crowd, oh, I, this pained me. The crowd just didn't give two shits about this. They're chanting Goldberg. Something was happening in the crowd like most of the match, and the whole crowd's looking away from the ring. Uh, There's take-it-off chance at one point. What a shame, because these two guys just killed it for nine minutes. It was just back and forth, both guys trying to one-up each other's moves. Courageous was pulling out top-rope lion salts, Frankensteiners, you name it. Hoovy does eventually hit the Hoovy driver and get the win. I love this match. What a shame about the crowd. Ugh. And you could definitely compare this to like a 205 live match that just kills it. But no one cares. In today's day and age. Uh, nearing the end, we got three segments left. TV champ Chris Jericho versus Disco Inferno. Uh, this was semi-competitive. Mostly Disco, hot on fire. He does hit the stunner, but Jericho gets his foot on the rope. Disco runs at Jericho, like, right after this, but it's immediately just easily reversed into a Lion Tamer for the submission win. It was fine, I guess. Goldberg's music hits. Nash is on commentary. Goldberg's escorted by security from the back, so this is now a regular thing, I think we can officially say. Nash is on commentary uh, discussing the chances of him getting a title shot if he wins War Games. He says he doesn't just want a match like on Nitro or anything. He wants one at a pay per view for the big money. Uh, basically, kind of doing a shoot promo here um, from our history of what we know of Kevin Nash. Uh, the crowd is just insane for Goldberg from the second that music hits to the to till he walks out of the uh, the arena. It's such a reminder to us all how massively popular and over Goldberg was. He's against former WCW tag guy Al Green. Kind of a bigger dude. After a quick two-minute spear-jackhammer pin of pure intensity, the crowd being crazy for Goldberg, he moves to, I believe I heard this correctly, 141-0. and zero. Michael Buffer does the intros for the main event. It's Hogan and Bret Hart with the Disciple out versus Sting and Luger of the Wolf Pack. So I spoke of Luger during the wrestler spotlight and... This is what I'm talking about. This match is so slow. Watching Hart versus Luger and then Sting versus Hogan is so painful in 1998. Like, it's just Hart and Sting trying to get so, just anything out of these two guys. Like, Sting's getting beaten down, he's just bumping all over the place for Hogan. Or it's heart beating down Luger, trying to get Luger to do a comeback, but it, it's like not happening, right? There's nothing inherently wrong, right? If you know what I mean, but damn it's boring. It's so by the book tag match. Sting does eventually get a fun hot tag for like twenty seconds. He runs wild on Hogan, hits a hits a stinger splash, and what you know, he's kinda jumping around, he's all excited. Hogan's, no, no, don't do it. But then there's awkward disciple interference. I'm 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 saying this now officially. The disciple, aka Bruce Barber Beefcake, is the worst manager of interference I've ever seen. Like whether it was the shitty ankle belt shot last week to the to the uh pulling of Hogan out of the way, but Hogan goes the opposite direction, right? of a stinger splash. It's 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 horrid. It's almost comically bad at this point. I'm just, like waiting for a, a shitty disciple interference. He starts hitting him with the weight belt in which then Bret Hart rips it away cuz remember Bret Hart likes and respects Sting. Hart in anger throws the weight belt down, leaves the ring, Hogan picks it back up and gives Chase. Uh, so they're they're like midway up the ramp area. Uh goes to goes to heart what's that about brother you know and heart just says you gave me your word in anger they both end up getting counted out and the crowd's just pissed rightfully so what a shitty way for your your main event to end trash of of course getting thrown in the ring as it should uh luger and sting just leave you know they're just they just bow out like what the fuck is that they just leave go, oh we won the match okay cool whatever so, really emphasizing that faction warfare going into war games. Uh, so, they just leave. Hogan and Hart go back to the ring for no fucking reason. Uh, but we know the reason. It's to do, to do this segment that's coming. Right? So, they're bicking er- they're, 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 they're bickin right at each other. Uh, the rest of the MB- NWO from the night get into the ring uh, to break up what could be a fight. You know, they're jaw jacking each other. Smoke then starts to envelop the ring... And this is where it gets real stupid. Okay? So the smoke fills the ring up. And you see Bret Hart just leave the ring. Right? You just straight up see him go under the bottom rope and leave. Uh, Norton, Scott Norton, just gets on a knee and kneels down. And then you see Brian Adams, Vincent, and the Disciple, all three of them, just lay down. You just see him. You see him just go on their butt, lay down on their back, lay down on their stomach. Yes, the camera catches all of this, and then the warrior pops up from the from the bottom of the ring and raises up. He bangs his chest, and commentary says, "Ah, oh, the NWO is all laid out because of what we saw." <laughs> just. Fucking awful! Are you? You couldn't have the warrior clothesline them all and run wild? Like, it, wh- is that like, like, do it, like you're doing the Batman thing, right? You, smoke's enveloping the ring. Show a dude running through the smoke, taking these dudes out, right? Is, is that so hard? <laughs> no, he just bangs his chest, pulls a mic out, and says, "Hogan, we smell your fear." Uh, Because Hogan's cowering, turned around in a corner. He does put on the best cowardly scared face ever. Turns around, sees Warrior, freaks out, flees the ring as Nitro goes off the air. What a bizarre build for the Warrior on this show. And what happened in this main event. So weird. I have no idea what to make of it. He doesn't look strong. He just looks like a, he, he, he's like an ineffective Batman. That's, that's what's, that's what it is to me. He's an ineffective Batman. It's so weird. And my memories of warrior in WCW as a childhood is is, is totally gone. I remember warrior being there, but I totally forgot like what had happened on Nitro during this era, because it was like only a, a month long. Oh my god, this was this is this is so weird looking back on it all. So with that, we got the Go Home show. I believe no, two. Wow, whatever. Fall Brawl's coming. That should be a shit show. <laughs> I expect nothing less. Uh, I'm still holding out hope for Goldberg Norton. I haven't spoiled myself on that title match. Fingers crossed. And finally, time to do the wrestler rankings after it all. Uh, let's just start with the men this time. 15, OJMO. 14, SCU. 13, Susumu Yokotsuka. He's uh, he's made it back. 12, Karanoir. 11, David Starr. 10, Ilya Dragunov. Uh... Mostly because that Cardinal War match, I'm, I will say. Nine Angel freaking Garza. Finally, a guy in WWE makes this list. Uh, eight Kenny Omega. Seven Yoshino. Six John Moxley. Five Ben K. Four Hangman Page. Three Pac. Two Jericho and one Cody. So Cody has really just crushed going up the the, the ranks since um, AEW started, uh, as, as as well as uh, Omega. So. Uh, cool stuff. Uh, on to the women, uh, you know, a little bit more difficult, but 10 is Momo. She finally gets a, uh, her first point in what seems to be months. Uh, 9, Azumi. 8, Chris Statlander. 7, Mercedes Martinez. 6, Jamie Hader. 5, Arisa. 4, Mayu. That could be seen as a little controversial. But 3, Riho. 2, Emi Sakura and 1B Priestley. So I I hope that makes a little bit more sense. Uh, When it's all said and done, uh, that rolls out the rankings. Definitely hit me up on Twitter, at BullyingJD, and you can see an updated top 10 list to it all, uh, and where the rankings stand as we are going into the final stretch of the year. There we go. This was episode 44 of the Red Leaf WrestleCast. Hope you enjoyed. I'll see you next time. I'm be to